You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Man podcast. I'm your host, Doc Coyle. Thank you, as always, for checking out the show. It's a rainy Tuesday evening here in Long Beach, California. I don't know what's going on here in, in California. All right. Moved here. Sunny. Actually, it didn't rain for a goddamn year when I first moved here, but it's been raining pretty much since uh since January. And we're closing on April, so Ain't that fun, but we probably need it, right? So I was trying to think about what I wanted to talk about today before we kick off the episode. And you guys know I'm on the Twitter, much to my chagrin and uh, my girlfriend's. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not good for my health or any of ours to be to be truthful, but you know, slightly addicted. But anyway, so what's been going on? If you've been following some of the, the 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 metal news you know some beef going on you know between i was talking about andy from monuments you know a couple weeks back and now he's back in it with ronnie radke and you know spirit box dropped off the tour and what else happened yeah and people kind of weighing in you know like franz from attila weighed in and uh, Phil Labonte from All That Remains. You know, people kind of put, you know, there's there's definitely there's definitely different factions. And I think when you look at that world, which is like the modern metalcore scene, which is pre- pretty fucking big. I mean, the, the biggest bands in that genre now are like arena bands, platinum albums and singles. They're legit. You know, they're, they're doing all right for themselves. It's not, this is not just some, some little BS. And, uh, and, it, you know, and oftentimes when, when these little beefs happen, you know, I'll be friends with people on both sides and it's all, you know, it's very similar to, to what I do with this show, right? Uh, some, somebody will leave a band and then I'll have them on the show and I'll be friends with people in the band and maybe I'll get a call or a text. Like, you know, people get pissed off or think you're taking sides. And I generally just, I just try not to get involved. And even if I think one person is more right or the other, you know, I've just been of the mind, you know what? This music industry is fucking hard. All right. It's hard to get anywhere. And I've, it's never made sense to me 
how having more enemies helps you. Like, like there's, it's just very little benefit. You know, I think now though, you know, depending on who your fan base is, there is a lot of like, I wonder if you beef with the right person based on a, 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 a shared sense of values that maybe th that fan base will like love you more, right? So if you're anti-cancel culture and that's your uh, your brand and you kind of engage in, in getting a beef on those values, the people that kind of vibe with that will like you more maybe and maybe vice versa, right? If, um, you know, there's another kind of situation. I don't know. But a big part of me always wants to weigh in and give, you know, give, give the, the kind of sports center first take <laughs> full honesty. And, uh, and unfortunately there's just too many consequences, you know? And I think a big reason why you'll see like the, the, the most successful artists are the one talk the most shit because they have the less, the least to lose. You know, so like back in the day, it was like, oh, Axl Rose and uh, Vince Neil had a beef, and but they're both, you know, multimillionaires or Fred Durst and Slipknot and they're both, you know, multi-platinum, just bands crushing it. And I think if you're you're more in the middle or in the, in the working class realm, you're just like, man, I'm just gonna keep it real around here. Keep it real by saying shutting the fuck up. And then I was thinking about it. I was like, speech has kind of always been that way, right? But we didn't always have these mechanisms. We didn't always have social media where you could say something and everyone could see it, right? If you talk some shit, it was probably contained to like your social environment. Was was like you you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, Axl Rose was going to write a uh, an op-ed in the New York Times to talk shit about Vince Neil. He really needs to hear this, you know. There was very limited media spaces, whether it was MTV News or maybe you'd talk shit in a, in a Kerrang! magazine or something like that. Um, but, you know, if you, like, worked for the government and you talk some, you know, did a article talk some shit about the government maybe you get fired like that was just i feel like it's always been that way that people have been conservative about what they said and where to kind of protect their station in life and and i think and i guess this kind of relates to kind of the whole cancel culture thing of like i think what happened was people got all this freedom they started talking all this shit but no one was really listening right in the early days of the internet there was just it was very there's very little consequences and then consequences started happening and then it kind of got out of control. But then, but people kind of got used to that grace period where the things they said didn't really matter. And then now there is, it's like, they're all pissed off. But part of me is like, man, but that's how it's kind of always been, you know? And when you were talking shit, it was in the back of a bar somewhere, you know, amongst friends. But if you talk about the wrong person and it got back to him, they might come and pop you upside the face, you know? And I don't know. There's this, this idea, you know, someone, I, I put a little questionnaire up on Twitter. I was like, if you were in a band, would you, or if you are in a band, 
would you you know voice your opinion about something like this if it hurt your career you know i think that's i wouldn't i think it's bag fumbling you know and by bag fumbling i mean it's like yo don't don't make your life harder just you know i know it's, everyone wants to be a, re- a rebel and shit but i was thinking about this i was like because since, since social media showed up right people will generally talk shit about famous people or politicians to them, you know, like in Twitter, that's what makes Twitter very unique than all the other platforms is that, you know, you can at someone and they, there's a good probability they might, they might see it and respond to you. And, uh, but I think a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this as well, of where, you know, maybe I'll say some shit, you know, you know, but you know, without Kanye West fucking up or saying something that I don't agree with. But a lot of that, what gives me the the bravery to do that is this idea that Kanye West is so famous and he's so busy and he's he he almost exists like someone you can't know. You know, that if you knew him, right? If like Kanye West was like your cousin or your neighbor, you would probably a little bit more guarded about what you'd say because the possibility of retribution or consequences for saying something would come back on you. And I think we tend to, you know, and that could go for a lot of different people, right? Whether that's the president or, you know, some major media figure and listen, and I've been on the end of some of these things where I've gotten quote tweeted by Ben Shapiro, by Reggie Miller, the basketball player. And then when you get like, (laughs) not just the, you know, you know what it feels like to get the the full brunt of their like little mob of of defenders, which is not fun. I'll tell you that. But in a weird way, I think it it humanizes the person because if if the the idea was that they were going to respond and then they be, they become more like a real person, you know. And I think you be you'd be you would be a little bit more careful, you know, because. I don't know about you guys, but I just don't, I don't do well with general conflict that doesn't have a specific reason, right? Like if someone's pissed off at me for whatever reason, it is what it is, but I I would want to go out of my way to like figure that out, you know, or unless someone has done something personally to me that is so egregious, I'm like, you know what? Fuck that person. Maybe I'm not going to engage in an online feud because I I just find it stressful. If you know what Bad Wolves went through with our situation, how public that was. Like, that shit's not fun. It's, at least not for me. I don't enjoy that, just being in some shit-talking battle. Like, I don't understand rappers that can just do that. I think rappers can do it because it actually ends up working out for them. It's like a business strategy. It's like kind of part of their job. But I think you have to be built for that. And there's a certain breed of person that get like, their what they do is talk shit online and beef. And if you ain't built like that, don't step in that ring. It's too stressful for me. I just, you know, I I really just want to be cool with everyone unless you do something to me personally. Or do you do something to someone who is close to me and then maybe I'll I'll find common cause with that. Uh but it's an interesting thing because it's like in a perfect world, you know, because I I do think I have good opinions and 
can weigh in and kind of give some uh, wisdom to a certain situation, but it doesn't really exist in, in music. It's rare because even if you're a, a journalist or you're a media figure, you still, you know, you're probably interviewing people. So you need access to them. So you might not be able to go, Hey, I don't like this person's new song. Oh, I don't like this person's new album or, Oh, they're being a dick. You know, it's, I think it's pretty rare. And if you are really honest, a lot of people are not going to like you, <laughs> you know? Um, but like, but in like sports, right. They go on there and they'll just like, fuck LeBron. You know, they want, you know, maybe not those, those words, but it's very honest and it's uh but then there's also a lot of or in politics it's very honest but it's also uh there's a lot of motivated reasoning right to to like tell it like it is and and shit on people is also something people want you know so i don't know just some of my thoughts on that so i'm not really going to weigh in you know even though i kind of want to cuz you know what doc coil ain't trying to drop the bag <laughs> I don't even got a bag, but if if a future bag might exist, and fuck y'all, all right, you know, don't don't be mad at me for 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 not fucking up, all right. When in doubt, shut the fuck up, get the stack, all right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure some people are mad at me for that, but whatever, you can be mad. I could take it. All right, uh. No, like, official sponsor this week, but I am going to play a song by a friend's band. Some of the guys in this band have been on this show. Uh, Aru and Christian, formerly of El Nino, uh, and it's currently a band called Lions at the Gate. And uh, also features Diego, formerly of El Nino, and my buddy Stephen Brewer, who used to be in Westfield Massacre. We're going to play a new song of theirs entitled The Ledge. Terrified of high 
So there you go. The Ledge, brand new song by Lions at the Gate, uh, the homies. And I've I've heard the entire album. I know that I think they've only released five songs, and there's a really good song on that's released now entitled Find My Way features Tatiana from Ginger. Really like that song. And I think what they do, man, is the hooks are really strong. I think that chorus is the bomb. And uh I think they're playing if you're in LA, I think they're they're playing the Fear Factory headlining debut at the Whiskey coming up um, in May, I think it is. Check that out. Check out the band. Very, very cool. I wish them the best. Anyway, we do have a guest this week. Uh, <laughs> uh, her name is Stormy Maya. You may know her better as Cinnamon Babe. And she appeared on my radar probably like a lot of you when this uh rock and roll is black song came out and kind of hit tiktok and instagram and you know was making a lot of noise and causing a lot of controversy and you know me there's some black shit going on in rock and metal doc coil is right on it so i was pretty much as soon as i uh found out about that i was like i need to talk to this lady and uh and i'll tell you this is one of I'd say the, the the spiciest, interesting, uh, uh, energetic conversations I've ever had on this on this show, and I and I think it's uh, I'm I'm really glad she uh, she chose to come on the show and tell her story and and speak her truth and and do her thing. So I'm gonna stop talking and get to the the interview. Please check out my conversation with the incredible, magnetic, fiery. Stormy Maya. Hey, I want to um, apologize. I didn't get to see you the other night in Downey. Uh, David told me you guys were playing at seven. So I showed up at like 650 and like nothing was going on. And I had another show to go to, to see another mm-hmm. band. So I couldn't, they told me at the door, you guys weren't playing at 830. So I couldn't stick around. And they, I, <laughs> the, the show the next day was way better anyway. The Viper Room was like way better show anyway. So tell me about the Viper Room. Oh, it was lit. I performed with this band, Love Ghost, um, which I became, <laughs> I'm really good friends with. And I've performed with them twice now. Okay. And they were the headliner for Viper Room. So I performed four songs with them. Um, they have like four new metal type of songs that have like female uh, features on them. One of them doesn't, but uh, two of the songs, Rico Nasty's featured on it, Bally Baby. And then the other songs are like two male artists, um, but they're more like a new metal style. So they call upon me to do some... Uh, some cool vocals, I suppose. <laughs> so right. I fun. It was um, my first time ever there. Um, it was very intense. Like I'm very introverted and stuff like that. Like I'm not a club person and I'm not like a, I don't really like crowds like that. Um, but so for, for me, like getting on stage and like performing and stuff is one thing. Like I don't care about that part. It's like me having to hang out in the fucking crowd in the meantime. Like that's the annoying part. Like having to like, being the crazy drunk, you know, party vibe, you know what I mean? That's like the hard part for me, but that's about it. <laughs> well, you, you haven't, you're just, you're new to the, the rock and roll lifestyle to, to, to some degree. 
uh, <laughs> that in that, and I'm only using that based on what you've posted that it's you've only played what four shows or something. Yeah, I'm new playing shows, but in general, I mean, I've been in the entertainment industry for about 10 years. And in general, I have just like been very to myself. So like, even if you're like an actor or you know, musician or whatever it is, like there's a lot of like this party type of lifestyle that goes hand in hand with it in general. And I typically like kind of avoid it um, just because like I don't I don't drink, I don't smoke. So I'm, I'm very straight edge, number one. So typically I don't even really have that much fun in club environments because I'm not drinking or high or anything. So I'm usually sober and tired. Um, and then the second part is like, I'm a germaphobe. I don't like people fucking touching me. So when people get all close to me, I'm like, get the fuck away. And then the other part is I don't like motherfuckers being like all rough with me either. So when people are moshing and pushing and shit, I'm from New York. I'm ready to punch you in your fucking face. So for me, I just like, I don't know. I'm just real like, get the fuck away from me. But it's cool because I'm really good friends with Otep now. And she's like the legit same fucking way. So we're both in the club. And we're both looking at these drunk ass college bitches that are like, <laughs> and we're both looking at each other like, girl, get the fuck away from us. Like, why the hell are you touching us and shit? Like, so I think it's fun to see someone who, who has been a rocker for a long time. who's like the same way. That's like, why the fuck is you touching me? <laughs> so well, she didn't, yeah. she didn't teach you rule number one being a rock star, is you hang out backstage until it's time to play. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, I need to get a fucking green room or some shit. That's what I'm saying. Like, I need to get to that level where I have a green room, I have a space, because my whole thing is, like I said, I am really don't, I don't like all that bumping, all that, like, people being all in front of me, spilling shit on me. Like, for me, like, I'm real, like, get the, like, I'm about to punch you in your face, get the fuck away from me. So. <laughs> don't go to a hardcore show, all right? You, that, I've been, and I'd be like, stay the fuck over there with that shit. That's how the, that's, I'm like, get the fuck away from me. Because I'm, I'm also really small, too. I'm like, I'm 5'3", I'm like 100 pounds. So for me, like, I don't like people doing all that kicking and shit next to me. Because I'm like, hold the fuck up. Like, I ain't trying to get kicked in the face, you know? I'm with you. I'm with you <laughs> I, I ain't trying to have my titties busted. You know, I make a lot of money off my appearance. So I'm not trying to have nothing broken over here okay i can't risk it so yeah so you, you need here, okay two two things you need you need a green room all right set up that's away from everyone you need like a, a diesel security guard to protect you when you're out in the crowd so two two goals uh for the future very near future okay well first off uh i guess second off because we had a nice little preamble there but uh welcome to the show i've been trying to get you on here for a while um you popped on my radar, a lot of people's radar in you know the the metal and rock world, you know because your your video went viral. But it pertains to kind of myself and what I do here, you know, because of my background, uh, you know, uh, being a biracial artist. Our my old band, God forbid, was known as being the black metal band of our era, and you know, and this show has really for me been kind of a hub for speaking uh to a diversity of artists but also be, being being kind of like uh a comfort place of you know because the, you know the artists black artists in this realm it's still a minority um mm -hmm. and our experience is something that is unique and and I and I and I I like having those conversations I like dipping into that and understanding what that experience is like so it is I have a vested kind of interest in um you know black people's journey in this in this scene so the way you kind of jumped out <laughs> it it immediately kind of uh tapped something that uh was important to me it's so. very unique uh 
it's definitely very unique because you'll talk to other people and you'll hear their experiences and it's very it's very different like you know what i'm saying like i talk to other minorities i suppose you can call us uh in the space and it seems like our stories are always very similar and then i've talked to like a bunch of the long hair white dudes that i've been become really good friends with and their experience is very different from ours so it does show that like there's two different type of journeys basically you know? <laughs> Sorry, getting hydrated over here. Gonna be gonna be a good talk. Um, yes, I, absolutely, and I think there's a diversity of experiences, and um, and that's what the show is about, and kind of kind of sharing that. So, I'd like to just know a little bit about your background. You say you're from New York. Yes, sir. And you're in Los Angeles now, or where? Yeah, I've been for about a year and a half now. Okay, and um, did uh, as far as your interest in rock music, alternative music, metal music, is that something that you grew up with or something you kind of discovered later in life? No, I've liked rock music, I guess alternative music um, since like middle school. Um, but I was, I remember I was weird. I, I guess it was weird when I was in school because it wasn't just that I was into rock and alt music. I was into like a lot of music that no one thought was cool at the time. So like, for example, I really loved Michael Jackson back in like middle school and stuff. And before Michael Jackson died, nobody was feeling him okay so i was like michael jackson back in middle school and everyone was like why are you listening to that old weird ass music or like oh you know they had all the michael jackson jokes when michael jackson died now everybody's a michael jackson fan but before that got made fun of that i used to love motown uh re like really heavy back when i was in middle school which people all also made fun of because it was like you listen to that old music but then i also liked heavy music i started off i, I don't consider them heavy but I started off like in the cranberries back in middle school because my mom played a lot of like cranberries and stuff like that. She likes Lincoln Park and all that. So my mom growing up introduced me first to alternative music, I suppose you can call it. Um, she typically liked everything from like Lauryn Hill to Jill Scott. And then she also liked like Lincoln Park, cranberries, um, like Green Day, like that was like her style. So she's a very eccentric black woman herself. Um, so I grew up around like in my household with like different types of music. My mom doesn't listen to like hip hop, heavy rap, that type of stuff. She doesn't listen to that. Um, I listened to that more with like my friends and everything of that sort. When I got into about high school, I got into like my chemical romance, paramore, you know, all the pop, the pop punk scene. Um, and then I got into metal through new metal. But I always just liked it. I never made it like my identity. So it wasn't like I was walking around like like, oh, this is who I am. I just liked it because it was good music. Um, but I do know that people in general, like, had a lot of jokes about, we listen to that white music, blah, 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 blah. Um, when I decided to get into entertainment back when I was 16, I initially got into, like, modeling and then later acting. And then music came about 2016. When I got into music, though, I initially started doing hip hop and rap music because I was, I had this music producer at the time that I was working with. He approached me and he was like, you know, you should make music, blah, 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 blah. And I always wanted to, I just didn't really know how to get into music. I didn't know the process of recording or writing music. I didn't really know how to do any of it. Um, and so he kind of like mentored me in it, but his style was more, like I said, rap and hip hop. 
But as I did it for about two years, but it wasn't really me. I didn't like it. I really wasn't feeling it. Um, I really wasn't a fan of like the scene itself because I didn't feel like I was really, I don't know, I feel like I didn't really fit into it because I don't really, like, because hip hop itself and rap music itself is its own culture, which I respect because it's technically a part of my culture. As a Black American, hip hop and rap to me is still my culture. And I heavily respect them. I'm also from the Bronx. So, clearly like the origins of hip hop and rap music. Um, but I felt like I didn't really fit into the culture of it all because like I liked heavier music number one. So when it came to the kind of rap I liked, I always liked heavier rap. So I was gonna more listen to like a Nas or like a, you know, just like like a like a NWA, like it was or like a um I'm trying to think, sorry, I'm so bad at the top of my head, like a, a public enemy, like that's the kind of rap and hip hop I was into. But that's obviously like not really the hip hop culture of today. So when it came to more of the current hip hop scene and stuff like that, I really didn't feel like I fit into it. And I also like had people constantly comment on how I sounded very old school when I went into it because I was more of a fan of boom bap and more of like original hip hop. So I just felt like I didn't really fit into the current like style of hip hop and rap music, like from the way uh, dressing is, I don't really dress like that. I don't really, I don't know. Like it's just like a certain culture of it. You have to be into, you have to be into that whole competitive thing too, like battling and dissing and like, I'm the baddest bitch. Like you don't have to, but like it's a, it's encouraged. And it just wasn't really me. And also a lot of the popular topics of it all really isn't me because if you listen to mainstream, a lot of mainstream hip hop now, a lot of it, is more about boasting and all that stuff, which is cool, which is fun. You know, I don't mind some thought shit. I'm a big fan of City Girls and shit. But I felt like it didn't really, like, slide with me and, like, what I wanted to talk about. And I, myself, like, would perform those songs just because I was like, hey, whatever, I'm just doing it to do it. But then I go home and I listen to the stuff I really listen to and the stuff that resides with me. And I'm somebody that my whole career since 16 has really been about image and uh, my body and all that type of stuff. And I felt like I did not have a platform for my actual thoughts and feelings and the things I wanted to stand up for and the things that I really wanted to say. And every time I would go on Twitter or something like that, try to talk about the things I really cared about, it was so off brand. And it was kind of like, why is this Instagram model talking about political issues? So I already had felt like then, like, eh, this is not really me. The shit I'm talking about and this rap stuff is not really me. And on the contrary, I could have been a conscious rapper. I could have went and, like, rapped about conscious shit. But I technically do that now because I technically rap in my metal songs. I just want to go more into a genre that I felt like more fit me and um, more of the culture around it I felt like fit me. And I think because metal is so much about rebelling and it's so much about being anti-system and it's so much about like being the oppressed and speaking up that I felt like it just fit me more in my identity and what I really stand for. So yeah, sorry for the rant. <laughs> no, listen, it's a lot. It's a lot. And that's, yeah, and, and by the way, People in my show get to hear me all the time, so this is your your platform to uh, talk about what you got going on. Uh, yeah. In the Bronx, did, when you, where you grew up, uh, what was the demographic? I mean, did you grow up mostly around black and brown people, or was it more diverse? Um, or my whole life, I've always grew up around predominantly black people. I grew up in a black family. I grew up in black neighborhoods. I lived in both Boston and New York, um, but I always grew up around predominantly black people. 
Um, my when I was in high school, my neighborhood was predominantly Hispanic and black, both. And my high school was 60 percent Hispanic. And then so it was like majority Hispanic, Latino. And then second was black people. And then there was some white folks in there um, because they're everywhere. And so when I was in the Bronx and stuff, for example, it, I didn't really see that many white people in the Bronx. It was rare. Uh, maybe a couple of Italians or something, maybe some white Hispanics. But in general, I've always grew up in black Hispanic neighborhoods. So being into rock or metal and all that wasn't really a common thing. So, yeah, well, <laughs> it was well, not the, really a thing like that. Well, there there is a commonality, I think, about um, <clears throat> black people that end up getting into rock and, and metal is that Usually, and you know, I think I've experienced this to some degree, but you know, stories I've heard from my friends and, and people I know is that there is often more pushback from your black community and black family from getting into this stuff than there even is from the acceptance on the on the other side. And you had mentioned it, you know, something a little bit to that about people going, Oh, you listen to that white music. Was yeah. that ever was that ever a, a thing of being ostracized or kind of teased or saying hey why are you doing that why is someone kind of othering you uh from within the black community is that something you ever dealt with so like end of the day i was raised by a very like eccentric black woman as i call it my mom is like a erica baidu type of black woman like i grew up my mom was rastafarian she had a lot she was very pro-black uh she's an author of many books that are very black focused so i was raised in a very black environment a very like be proud of your you're black of a type of environment so it's very hard for somebody despite my complexion despite whatever the hell you know watered down in me because i grew up with such a strong culture of who i am and such a, a strong like sense of blackness of who i am Nobody can really take that from me. I don't have identity issues. So like people can make like light skin, white jokes, whatever all day. That don't really affect me because like I said, I was raised in an environment where my blackness was very much celebrated. Um, so yeah, I heard jokes from the black community growing up. Like people used to make jokes, you know, like, oh, white girl, whatever. But then also because of the kind of stuff I was into, you know, I was a little bit of a weirdo. It wasn't just that I liked rock and metal. I was one of those black kids that used to wear the um, like the cat ears. And I had like <laughs> like I, I used to wear costumes and shit like I was one of those. Like I was in school wearing legit costumes and stuff like watching anime, doing the costume. Like I was really kind of like out there. So you're like an OG e-girl. I guess, I guess. I mean, nobody was calling it that at the time, yeah. but like, I stopped doing it. Like, I stopped doing it in about tenth grade because in tenth grade I wanted to be, I wanted to be hot and shit, and I, I wanted to like stop being bullied and teased. So I, when I got to tenth grade, I went and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna be a bad bitch because I'm so tired of this lifestyle. Because for a while, like, all my friends were kind of like, we were all kind of weirdos and stuff. I sat at the reject table. I was very bullied for a long time, but I think I eventually was like, you know what? I'm going to just be hot and <laughs> keep the weirdness in the back of my head. So nobody will bother me anymore. And it worked. Um, so I started like dressing the part, started like wearing Jordans and I started like wearing my hoops and just kind of like look more of the style of like what was acceptable in my neighborhood. So I could just <laughs> get a break, no more costumes. Um, but I still listen to what I listen to. Like I said, I didn't make it my identity anymore. But yeah, I've heard jokes like 
that's white people music, whatever. I remember when I went vegan, my family made jokes like, you eat like a white girl. <laughs> so, but the thing, like I said, I'm not really sensitive about that shit. That don't really hurt my feelings. You can't really, I'm not a sensitive person. Um, like, I, I don't, I don't really care. And then when I was in high school, I also got into foster care. So, uh, for uh, the majority of high school, I was in foster care living in group homes. And the majority of the group home was Black Hispanic girls. Um, and so, like I said, that's always been my community. It's never, I've never felt left out. But, like, yeah, people would make little jokes about me, what I'm into. But, you know what I'm saying? I, I kind of don't, like, I'm not really that sensitive about it. Um, I'm more annoyed by the racism than I am Black folks making jokes because the racism to me is a lot more hateful and they actually are trying to gatekeep me. And that to me is like a problem. Like even now, like, yeah, black folks will come on my page and I'll make jokes like, you know, like, why are you making this shit? Or I'll see blogs post me or things post me and then black people be like, that's not the rock we made. Or, oh, she making a demonic white people type of rock. <laughs> um, they be like, yeah, like, they be like, oh, why can't she make like some, like, uh, I don't know, Prince type of rock or some shit, right? Like, black people don't mind that kind of rock or Tina Turner rock. But like, why she got to make that demonic white people rock? So a lot of, like, I'll see a lot of those comments. Um, or I've had black people come to my page and be like, oh, you went to the devil worshiping and all that. Because you know a lot of black people be very ultra religious. So, like I said, for the most part, I'm like, whatever, girl. Like, keep it the fuck moving. Because you're not my demographic I'm trying to appeal to anyway. Because you don't even like rock or metal. So why... You're not even somebody I can convert in that. But the white folks that are in the actual metal community that are actually rock fans that are racist just because I exist here, uh, to me, they're more problematic because, see, Black people who think that I shouldn't make rock because it's demonic, Black people didn't get me banned off TikTok. Black people didn't uh, report me repeatedly. Black people ain't calling me slurs. Black people ain't, you know, sending, calling me the N-word and, you know, making death threats towards me. Like, no, so... That's the difference. The white racist people, they're the ones making death threats. They're the ones who got me banned on TikTok. They're the ones reporting me. They're the ones telling blogs I have to post me. They're the ones I'm scared of if I go to certain um, cities and perform and I have songs that may be racially sensitive. Those are the people that I'm afraid will throw a boot at my head on stage, not Black people who have a very limited sense of what Blackness is supposed to be. Like Because with the Black people, how I look at it, I can always be an example of how there's different types of black folks in this world and they need to just open their mind to the proximity of what blackness can be. But the racist white people, I think converting them to not be racist, I think that's damn near impossible. So that's where I don't even, you know what I'm saying, compare the two experiences. Uh, what, what was the inspiration for Rock and Roll is Black? Like, where did that just come <laughs> from at its root where you're like, this is something I want to say. Um, it came from my experience with just dealing with the comments from both sides um, because I wanted to educate Black people that this was our music and that we did create this and that this is something we should be proud of that we, you know, created from the beginning. And I wanted the use of white music, this is white music, blah, 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 to be something hopefully in the future will be eliminated because I think it discourages a lot of Black people from expanding outside of like the box that we're put in. And for the white racist people, it was like, F you, you say I can't make this music because I'm Black. You say I don't belong here. It was like, you're incorrect. So it was kind of like a jab at anybody who feels like, 
people who aren't white can't make rock. And so it was funny when like I got, it got flipped on me that I was the racist, that I was the gatekeeper, that I was the one that was like telling white people they couldn't make rock. I don't know where that even came from, but that became the overall interpretation of my song that I'm saying that only black people can make rock and that I'm saying that white people can't, I don't know where that came from, but that was like the major flip that it came out of. So it was funny because I made the song about gatekeeping and about racism. And then I became the racist and the gatekeeper. So I was like, this is what you do to people of color all the time. Every time we speak up, you guys try to flip it on us. Um, so yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> listen, I, I think this is probably one of the more fascinating topics. Uh, and it, and in some ways it's so much broader, right? Than mm -hmm. this song or you and everything that kind of came out of that. Because I think, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 42, right? So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, probably quite a oh, bit. Oh, I'm looking good for 42. I thought oh. you were like 32, 33. Okay. Well, well, you're very kind, very kind. But uh, <laughs> but um, I imagine you're you're a lot younger. Yeah. And I and I think essentially like <laughs> I I think we're in a different phase, right, of the racial discourse, and a lot has changed. Essentially, like if you go back to like when Obama was elected, right, there was a certain kind of tenor that existed in terms of our racial discourse and then you take and to me everything started kind of with trayvon martin when trayvon martin got killed it was like this ember that blew up in this fire and and then you had with each of those uh police killings of 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 black people and it created this like back and forth right and that leads into Do the donald trump era and essentially we're at this place where I think the way we speak to each other about race has kind of like gotten worse and it's, it's, it's just gotten, people have gotten further apart. And yeah. to me, what I see is a, an inherent lack of nuance and an inherent uh, assessment of bad faith. Right. So to me, the title of your song and the content of it is essentially very similar to the phrase black lives matter, for example. Right. Which is that, so someone will hear that, and what they will do is essentially put their own word in front of that, which isn't only. there only, right? And so that's very similar to people go rock and roll is black, and they and to them it means only black, or or because I'm saying it's black, that means it's not white. And so it's people assessing bad faith upon you going, well, clearly you are saying I don't belong, or you are saying that um it's exclusionary when but what you were saying is no it's also black that's the, that's how i interpret it um and the roots of it are black but it is part of a kind of bigger picture and a bigger collective and mm -hmm. i think we're essentially and this is and something i kind of i think is very related to also the medium you you're most prominent which is tiktok which i think is a medium that is kind of baked in um, confrontation, right? Yeah, like, because the algorithm, if you're talking shit about this person or this person is clapping back at this person and this person is going to stitch this and it's about this feeding of the big fight or the big culture war. And so I think it's kind of a, a reflection of that. And uh, I don't know. So I'm, 
in, in a way, I don't even have a question with that, but that's just kind of my in, in interpretation of of kind of like it's like we're speaking a game game of telephone, and mm -hmm. something's being lost in the translation. I think there's just a lot of white fragility in general, though, where like any time a person of color speaks up against any type of oppression, it's immediately like, oh, my God, you're attacking me. You're saying I'm racist. You're saying I'm wrong. Say I did something right. I didn't even mention the word white, white people in my song. But immediately it was like against white people. Aren't there if white say, people in the video? <laughs> yeah, there's white people in the video. And the whole reason I did that is to prove to people like it had nothing to do with the uh, division it has to do with acknowledgement. And here's the thing, white people have never had anyone ever erase their accomplishments. Never, never. No one's ever said white people haven't contributed to rock. No one's ever um, said that white people haven't contributed to anything that they've ever contributed to. But for black people, especially in this country, it is very much the narrative that we have done nothing, we've created nothing. And then it's like, why do you have black history? Mom? Why do you have this? Because our history is not taught in school. Our history is not, you know, what's the norm? Like only thing we're taught in school is that we're slaves. We were slaves. We were oppressed. And what people don't understand is it affects the self-esteem of black children so badly to go into a school. Right. And then you're told by teachers and the people you look up to that the only thing your people ever accomplished was being fucking slaves. You have been nothing but fucking slaves. They don't teach you about black wall street in school. They don't teach you about all the patents we had stolen from us. They don't talk about all the black inventors. They don't talk about all the black progression, nothing. They teach that black history starts with slavery and they teach that that is basically it. And white children get to go to school and they get to hear about how they found this entire country. They built this entire country. They made every invention that we use today. And for a white child, that to me gives the impression of, wow, I can be anything. These people who look like me literally created the country I live in. They literally discovered this and discovered that. And for black children, it's literally like, we get nothing. We get told that we created shit. And I'll even see it in the racist comments, like where white people will say, y'all created shit. Cause even with rock and roll is black, you have no idea. I have thousands of comments that are like, oh, well don't use the white man's inventions. And since rock and roll is black, don't use the phone. Don't use the toilet. Don't use it. And like, don't name every single thing in a household, which 90% of it was, is very inaccurate, but it just off the whim of, we created every single thing that you have in you. So, fine, you know, you want little rock music, you can have it. So it's crazy to me that the minute I'm like, hey, black people created like a genre of music, which black Americans created every single genre of music that's in this, that, that's popular today. We created hip hop, we created country music, we created rock music, we created jazz, we created blues. So it's like the fact that you want to sit there and be like, no, we're gonna, we, we can't even credit you with that. That's the part that's disgusting to me. And the disgusting part about it is that it's not the fact that they won't acknowledge that black people created rock music. It's the fact that you won't acknowledge we created rock music, plus you're saying we don't belong here. So to me, that's the craziest part. If people in general just didn't talk about it and weren't and didn't tell black people they didn't belong in rock music and stuff, then it wouldn't even be a subject. But the fact that like a community of people can create something and then later on be gatekeep from it, be told it doesn't belong to them, be told they don't belong in it, that's the mind baffling thing to me because the comparison was well we don't complain about you guys playing basketball last time i checked nobody black is claiming to have invented basketball 
Um, nobody has ever said that you guys don't belong in basketball. Like there's white people all throughout the freaking whatever. It's extremely hard for a black rocker to be successful because since the beginning of time, they literally were writing off black artists from rock music. They literally like these record labels. I've already dealt with them at record labels where they're looking at me and they're like, we don't know if we can market this. We don't know if a black band will sell. And it's like crazy to me because they'll, you know, they'll push white rappers and stuff. You know what I mean? But like, they'll literally give a hard time to black people in rock music. I see mediocre white men all the time thriving in rock music signed on the same labels that look at me and they say, well, if you want to be on our label, we have to like be proved. It has to be proven to us that people will buy your music and I have to have so many streams and I just have to show them that I'm like the Beyonce of metal, but they'll sign these white dudes that got like three followers, five Spotify listeners because they look the part. And I literally had an A&R at a, uh, had an A&R from Sony call me. Right. I don't, I forgot what like the vision was from. And he literally like the first thing he said to me was like, Oh, I think it's so cool. Like you're a black girl doing this. And like made this whole like speculation about me being black within it. Right. And this has been the conversation I have almost every time I talk to people within the industry about me doing rock. The first thing that they announced to me is like how different I am because I'm black and I'm a woman doing it. And immediately it's uncomfortable because it's like, they're trying to calculate in their head if I'm even marketable within this space. So the, in my opinion, a lot of the record labels are racially biased towards black people in alternative music. And then also the alternative rock community is kind of biased about if they're willing to listen to people who look like me within the rock space. Cause I don't look the part. So that's why I felt like, Hey, it's kind of crazy to me that like, even in country music, like black Americans created country music, you know how hard it is for a black country artist to make it. I don't know. Darius Rucker killing the game, but yeah, uh, we can name like five people. Same well, in rock music. Name like well, five people. I would argue <laughs> if, if you were to find a, a genre of music, that's even more white than metal. It's definitely country, but, but there's a lot of cultural elements there. Listen, I, I you, you said a lot there and, and I think, you know, if, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I've studied mm -hmm. the kind of history of what this is, but I've also been a part of it, right? With my old band, God forbid, we always ask the question, you know, would we have been more successful if we were a white band? We don't, you know, we, we don't know. You can't really do that, uh, you know, that experiment, right? You, you know, but, you know, from my perspective, I think there is this idea of having an audience and if I'm, you know, a young person and I'm getting into music, maybe I might identify more with a certain artist because they maybe represent a little more of my story or my background or speak to me in a certain way. And, and, and I think it's not, I don't think those things are necessarily intentional, right? It's just like you connect with who you connect with, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's valid. And I think also there's an element of where you have had black artists successful in rock and metal more often than not those artists do not make their race a big part of the story of what they're doing right so if you have a lejean witherspoon from seven dust or that has you know several many gold records and sells out venues all over the place or howard jones from kill switch engage where that band is you know has platinum albums really really successful those weren't individuals that went out of their way to kind of 
say I'm black and this is what it's about. It was their blackness was kind of in the background and that really wasn't the central issue, you know? And I think um, with artists like you, that is kind of for better or worse, your brand. Right? I mean, I only made one song and the reason no, I no. Well, no, but you made, <laughs> but you made the one song, but if I look at your TikTok for five minutes, a lot of your content is in the sphere having conversations about race, having social mm -hmm. conversations about a litany of other subjects, which are also very like- LGBT uh, subjects, talk about- Everything. It's talk about- um, Yeah, every everything. Yeah. So, so but what, what I'm saying is at the end of the day, tr the only color these motherfuckers care about is green. All right? Mm -hmm. So if and you're any, like them having that concern I don't think is like irrational because at the end of the day, what they, you know, basically what ANR people want to do now is they don't really want to develop artists. What they want is for you to get popular all on your own. And then they come in and kind of maximize that and capitalize on it. And because they're, they want to be risk averse and that's not bad business, Right, like, like we can be mad at the record industry, but I don't know. Do you need a label if you can promote yourself? You can do certain things. Maybe it helps in some aspects. Maybe it helps in other aspects. But you know, at the end of the day, if the more self sufficient you are, and the more you success you've done all on your own that without a label, the more then guess what? Once you've if you you know you got a song that's got. 10 million streams without a label, guess what? Every motherfucker out there is going to want to sign you because they don't care what color you are. They just want to make money, you know? Mm -hmm. So when well, I some- I have three, I have, I've, I've been approached by three black owned labels. I actually have a label that I'm planning on signing with this spring, black owned label. Um, and that's who has been the most supportive of me. Um, and from day one, that's where I got offers from, from day one was predominantly black owned hip, hip hop, I suppose, majority, sure. they would um, labels. And I, and is that, and the question I have something like that, is that label going to push you more to like an urban audience or are they gonna yeah, say, hey- They honestly what they do because the main people, my main audience isn't the traditional metal scene and I don't wanna attract the original metal scene because for me, the a lot of the original metal scene might not like what I have to say. So I am more, like I said, when I compare myself to artists, I compare more to like a Rage Against the Machine or more um, just people like, you know, like very like out there, like fuck you, fuck the system. That's really more of my message. Um, so for me, like I do attract a lot of alternative or open-minded black folks who are like, and other, and other people of color too. And that is probably who I should be geared more to because that's who's my biggest supporters. Now I do have a couple like, you know, OG metal fans who, you know, like, oh, this is cool as well. Um, but I don't really care. As long as you relate to me, I don't care if I'm like the first conversion because most Linkin Parks fans weren't original metal people. Most people shit on new metal in general. They're like, this is not real metal. What is this? So the majority of people I feel like, like Limp Bizkit to, to, to Linkin Park and the whole new metal scene were typically hip hop heads that were like, this shit's kind of fucking cool. And they typically appeal to more of a, a urban audience um i gotta push back on you there because i lived through it and it's you got we just gotta remember sometimes the shit that is the most popular right mm -hmm. that is selling millions of records or selling out arenas or is killing 
you get a loud minority of shit talkers on the internet that doesn't really represent the humans out in the world. So yeah, you get a bunch of people talking shit about new metal, talking shit about Limp Bizkit. But at the end of the day, you know, those, you know, Limp Bizkit, I think at the time on that 2001 record, it, it was the biggest selling album of all time, the first, or maybe it was the, or maybe it was the biggest rock album first week. He beat Rodney Rock. Yeah, it was like but they beat Pearl it, it Jam appeals, and sold. It appeals outside, in my opinion, it appeals outside the rock metal scene. Like people who like hip hop. I know so many people like, like even when I talk about being in the Bronx and shit, they will listen to like a Lincoln Park or a Limp Bizkit because it's like yeah, it oh, crossed over. Shit. Yeah, it, it crossed yeah, over. Yeah, it's a crossover, but they won't know about a lot of other stuff. So sure. that's why I feel like I'm in that middle ground where I appeal to people who might not be typical hardcore metal death death metal fans, but they're like, oh, this is kind of interesting. You know, this is kind of different or something. I don't know. I don't know what they'd probably call me, but like the majority of black people on my page have been like. I never listened to metal or rock because I didn't see anybody look like me in it. And you talked about representation and people want to see themselves. So the majority of like a lot of the people I grew up with and I've had on my page comment are like, I always thought the music wasn't for me. I didn't see people who look like me in it. So I didn't really feel represented. There were a lot of people that I think the pop punk scene was a little bit different and it's a little bit more fun and like youthful. So a lot of kids, when I grew up, a lot of the black kids still listen to Paramore, still listen to um, Ava Levine and stuff because, you know, I think that it's a different type of thing. But I think metal has been branded so much as like a white dude thing for some reason. And so a lot of people to me have been like, I never listened to that shit because to me it's a bunch of like white dudes and metal has been labeled as racist to a lot of people. Um, a lot of black folks I've talked to have been like, I you know, metal, the metal scene's racist or like the, or they think of just metal in general as racist. And that's become kind of the image of it. Don't know why. Um, and also like a lot of people associated with like demonic and demons and stuff. And a lot of black people, Hispanic people, uh, typically you don't really mess around with all like, you know, the demon shit. So I think that all those things come <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I'm being serious. Like okay, I know, like, but it's still, it's like, Demon. <laughs> I'm just saying, like a lot of black folks, like even when I like like the people I grew up with and shit, like I grew up Southern Baptist, right? And a lot of like the Hispanic people and shit I grew up with, they were very Catholic and stuff. So just growing up, like a lot of people were always just like, oh, I don't mess with that demon shit. Oh, you know, whatever. And so like my aunt and stuff growing up had me carry around a rock and she called it she's like, This is your Jesus rock. And do you know, you know how cool? Very, do, do you know how much cooler metal would be if it actually had the power to summon demons? Like if you could just summon <laughs> shit with the riffs and like the lyrics, and all of a sudden you just had like gargoyles and shit hanging out just because your your shit was that hard. I that mean, would be a... I don't know. Like, that's the <laughs> I don't know. That's the image a lot of people have. For no, it's a, it's a stereotype. You know what it is? It's there's, yeah. it's theirs, and all. And in many ways, all stereotypes exist for a reason, right? There's a kernel of truth and, a, and a urban legends and stuff that, like, guess what? In metal, yes, there is, with certain sects of it, there's real Satanism. But, oh, yeah. But not because Satan exists. It's just because, well, <laughs> you know, it is a philosophy that some people adhere to and have, you know, that exists. And there's, it's extreme <laughs> in nature, you know, yeah. and that's what it's that's what it's meant to be. And but it is, you know, like, you know, I as they said, you know, when I grew up in hood, it's like, oh, that's that kill your mother, kill your father music. You know, that's a, that's a, you know, it's 
yeah, it has, it has a, I mean, there are, here's the thing. It's like, you know how many rappers got shot last week? This is kill your mother, kill your father music. Well, I remember like on the news a couple times, uh, not recently, but back in like the mid 2000s, I remember hearing a lot of stories about like kids uh, that did like kill their parents or shoot up schools. And then they, the news would bring up like the music they were listening to or something like they listened to anthrax or something. I don't know. And then then people would be like, oh, it's the music that's like, you know, the, they were listening to, they were listening to like demonic music in their room or some shit. And I would always hear that too growing up. So I think people associate it for that reason. Plus there are some people who try to make themselves scary and they maybe paint their face and sound demonic. I don't fucking know. Um, yeah, no, it's just, like it's just funny demonic. to me. It's just funny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Hey, like, for me, I'm atheist, so I'm not religious at all. Um, so for me, like I that stuff doesn't scare me. Demons and stuff don't scare me. Um, so I think that it depends on maybe like your religious background. But for me, like since I don't believe in Satan, um, then it's not really scary. I think people just like to, I think metal is a very performative genre, and I think people like to look scary and say scary things and like to shock people. And I think that's what's funny about it. People are so offended by me bringing up race and metal, but there's like metal artists who talk about like killing people and burying them in their backyard and talk about eating flesh and like, that's not too far. That's not offensive, but races. Um, or me talking about misogyny is super scary, but we can talk about eating people. So it's kind of a funny genre to me. I kind of laugh at it because um, the same people who thrive off of offending and being shocking and saying fuck the system are the same people who are like, oh my gosh, he's talking about women's rights. Oh no, it's pretty funny. Yeah, well there's, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of kind of um, multi-directional crossfire and a lot of hypocrisy, I think kind of built in, into some of these things, but. Uh... Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> um, um, I wanted I want to. I think I'm culturally more of a punk artist in like the culture of how I do things. I think like I'm more punk in the sense of like my kind of feeling towards establishment or my feeling towards these social issues and kind of how I approach it and not really giving a fuck if people like approve of it. I think that's kind of more of like a culture that I fit into with that as well. But people don't really understand about me is I don't really give a fuck if they're offended by my music because if they're offended, they're more than likely a bigot or they're more than likely the people causing the issues that I'm talking about. Um, because you should have no problem hearing about me not liking misogyny or racism if you're not a you know, sexist pig and not a racist. Shouldn't really be that offensive to you. Because I can hear about other minorities talk about their struggles. I can talk, I can hear about trans women talk about their struggles and I don't feel like, oh my God, why are you not talking about an issue that affects me? I feel so offended. So. Well, in my opinion, you know, whether like I agree with everything you say or don't, mm -hmm. the, the scene needs stars who are willing to not give a fuck. You know, like that's, yeah. that, that was always the lifeblood you know, whether it's Axl Rose saying some crazy shit or, you know, Ice-T coming out with Cop Killer or even now you have like people like Ronnie Radke with Falling in Reverse who, you know, he doesn't give a fuck who he's going to beef with or anything. It's like, and you might agree with it, you might not, but I think at the end of the day, like, that's the kind of danger, quote unquote, having someone who says something that may be controversial, but if you believe it, and you're actually saying something that you 
want to stand for, then I think, and then you have charisma and you have talent, then that's, you know, that's where a lot of star power kind of can lie. I feel like as long as this industry has been upholding, there's legitimate icons in this space that are legitimate, like legit, legitimately pedophiles, legitimately racist, legitimately rapist, and we celebrate them, we don't cancel them, they listen to their music and they're welcomed at shows. So as long as you guys let these white racist men, pedophiles, uh and 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 openly like sexual assaulters exist in this space i refuse to let you tell me that i as a black woman talking about black issues and women's issues or lgbt issues is offensive and wrong when literally there are multiple it's open cases of these men that have literally sexually assaulted people and you're like oh but separate the artist from the music uh um like it's all about the talent and you know, you shouldn't be offended by if you don't like the music, just don't listen to it. Okay. So apply that same logic to me. If, if you're offended by this one song I made, listen to the other ones. If you want to separate me from the music, separate me as a human being from, from the music or just turn it off if you don't like it. Cause that's the logic they have with their well, faith. It's, it's like, a little, it's a little harder with you because the issue they have is actually with the art. So they're, no, they're actually. What I just said was they'll tell people who criticize their favorite artists, just don't listen to the music if you don't like it. So I'm yeah. saying if you guys don't like it, don't feel the need to come and attack it. If you don't sure. like it, keep scrolling. I don't like a lot of fucking metal songs and rock songs. A lot of them are, a lot of them I'm like, oh, I don't like that. But do I feel the need to attack it, to sure. cancel the artist, to ban the artist, to report the artist? No. There's artists who have Confederate fucking flags as their goddamn logos. Am I going and like protesting them? Absolutely not. Because in the day, I just will ignore your ass and just not support you. So I say, hey, that seems to be the logic that they can apply to their faves. So apply the same logic to me. But problem, my art don't fucking watch my art. I'm not Beyonce level on the radio where you're, you know, forced to listen to me at the mall. So therefore, if you don't like it, don't fucking listen to it. Like, if you're offended by me saying that there's racism in the world and there's misogyny, once again, that's something you need to take up with yourself because nothing I've said is incorrect. I'm 100% so, factual. And everything I speak about on my platforms is 100% correct. I say, hmm, there is racism. That is a fact. I say, hmm, sex workers face, you know, people disrespecting them but want to get off to their bodies. That is an actual fact. So if people don't like what I have to say, that means they don't like facts or they don't like hearing it come from my mouth, because that's another issue. Besides racism, I deal with the misogyny of people don't like to hear women speak up and when people don't like women having voices because there is a social norm of what women are supposed to be. Women are supposed to be bubbly and sweet and docile. And when a woman is screaming and speaking out and saying, um, F you, that is something that's also like, oh, my God, like. Why don't you just show your tits? Like, we don't want to hear you speak. So there's double-edged swords I deal with. Plus, I'm a woman that has a history of sex work, has a history of showing my body and, do you know, and being naked and all that type of stuff, being a Playboy model, penthouse model. So that's an extra layer of hate that I get because women like me specifically are not supposed to have a voice and not supposed to speak up. I'm supposed to stay in my lane and just show titties and ass. Because I, being good friends with Otep, she tells me her experience about being a woman with a voice and all the things that she's heard and all the things that she's dealt with. And so 
it's not in my head. You know, I'm good friends with Fishbone. They hit me up and said, damn, it's crazy that you're dealing with the same stuff we dealt with back in the day. I'm like, so I obviously am not crazy because if other black artists are like, hey, I face the same things. If other um, women have faced the same things, if they chose artistry, likewise, their artist wise, not to speak about the things they faced as they were creating music, I feel like that's their choice. Um, I don't think that everyone black or everyone that's a woman has to speak up against their oppression or their issues within their art. But for me, that's the sole purpose of my art. I don't find a reason to make music if I'm not using it to talk about the things I feel is hard to speak about in a typical conversation or that I feel are hard to talk about is on a platform like Instagram. For me, what's the point? For what? What's the point of making music? Like, what's the point of making music? I don't, I don't see the motivation. Some people have different motivations for music. People are like, I want to make people laugh. I want to make people smile. I don't give a fuck about making people laugh and smile. I don't. As I, I laugh and smile. I want to. I want to make people be thought provoked. I want people to argue amongst themselves and be like, "Damn, why is she saying this?" I want people to analyze what I say. I want people to to sit back and say, damn, is she correcting what she's saying? I want to make thought-provoking music. That's my motivation. So if I were to remove the political or the whatever you want to call it, issues out of my music, then for me, there'd be no motivation. I don't want to make music about fucking my, like, what are most metal songs about? I'm depressed. I'm sad. A little bit my of that. Me. I don't want to talk about that. Me personally, you know, I respect other people's issues with it because some artists struggle deeply with mental illness and that's their main thing they want to talk about. So I think that, you know, as I just like me going to an artist and saying, damn, all your songs are about you being depressed and drug addiction. Like, why don't you just talk about something else? I'm sick of hearing about your drug addiction and your issues. I don't deal with drug addiction. Why the fuck do you keep making drug addiction songs? And I'd say, well, if you don't fucking relate to it, don't don't listen to it. I make my music for what I'm dealing with. And that's the same thing I look at it like. The, my motivation is I want to relate to people who go through what I'm going through. So, you know, I feel like the audience is there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, what kind of I kind of glean from kind of hearing what a lot of what you're talking about it is kind of in some way speaks to these very difficult and like tough interactions you're having mainly through social media right i don't i don't know if, if tiktok is the main thing you use or instagram but it's like TikTok, youtube yeah but it's a it, but it's a conversation with the world that mm -hmm. to me is often taking place in virtual spaces that i to me almost is like a funhouse mirror version of the real world. I don't think, I think in, in many ways, and, and this is kind of became exacerbated during the pandemic where we saw, saw a lot of these divisions expand during, mm -hmm. during the pandemic because the, we were stuck at home and the only way we could interact with people was through, through these, these, these avenues. Um, but you're someone who pretty much has built their entire name through social media and getting your name out and like and i see like TikTok, you're very active in that space and you have had a lot of success there um is that something i just want to know like what your kind of like 
strategies are and like what your kind of your general relationship is with maybe TikTok specifically, but social media as, as a whole? I think the difference with my generation of rock music and metal than like people who were like big in the 80s and the 90s and early 2000s is that, you know, people like those people at that time, you could put your music out there and like you didn't like have the world attacking you on the Internet. So like it was really about if you, I guess, wanted to read magazine articles about the reviews or something or if people were bold enough to come to you in person. But the difference with my generation with music is that immediately from the minute we post it on the internet, we get thousands of like comments and we get reply videos. If you're lucky. We get what? If you're lucky enough that people care well, about what you're, you're doing. Yeah, yeah. If you're, I guess if you're interesting enough, um, you'll get people doing the stitch duet videos and within the palm of your hand, like for me, I posted Rock Rolls Black on TikTok within three days, it was 2 million views. So it was like, I think now it's like 26,000 comments or something. I don't know. It's a lot. Um, but out of those comments, it's like, boom, 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 boom. Like I stopped reading them. And the hard part I think about my generation of making music is that it's very hard. Number one, people say just don't read it, but I will. it's very hard not to read comments. It is sure. because as soon as you go on and notifications are there. And obviously as an artist, you want to know what people's reaction is to your music and you want to know what people think. And if you're getting videos about you and like YouTube videos about you, you're going to like want to watch it. It's very, I feel like it's very hard not to. Um, so immediately, I think that's something that's hard to deal with. And I think that if I maybe made these songs 20 years ago and they just happened to be out into the world, I think that the reaction would be a little bit different in the sense of I wouldn't be seeing it all in one place. You know, if I, if I got reactions to it, I would have to, like I said, go in a person somewhere or maybe read an article or I don't know, but it is very difficult. I went to a deep depression after the rock and roll is black thing went viral and I had all this hate at me and then I got banned and those people who got me banned went to my Instagram and started harassing me there. And then they tried to start reporting my Instagram and like, they were like, um, like the one one guy who said he initiated the ban, he was just like so proud of himself. He sent me like a three paragraph DM and was like, yeah, I'm so happy we got rid of you. You weren't gonna spread who that was message. Who, was he like someone of prominence? No. So no. It, was, it wasn't like a, was it like a group specifically or just people kind of just organized of their own accord? So there was this guy, he had like 26,000 followers on TikTok and he makes like he well he did i think his account's gone now he used to make all these videos like like a like responding to different things that he had an issue with <clears throat> so he had responded to my song and what happened to me was um besides just the views i was getting on my stuff it was getting like millions of views on other people's page like this one dude who dissed me his video had like a million views and it was like him completely dissing me and my song and everything and so what happened is as these people were dissing me they had their own little army of followers like that would like comment and stuff like that so not only was i getting like as hate on my page i was getting it on these other people's pages so even if they got like a hundred thousand views on their diss or fifty thousand views it'd be all these people who i guess kind of agree with them and like had no idea who I was. And now they're like, this is their first introduction of me. And they're like, yeah, yeah. What the fuck is she talking about? She's terrible. And then um, <laughs> it was just like kind of like wildfire. So this guy had like 26,000 followers and he went back and forth. He made like four videos about my song and about me. 
and made himself like a victim in it. Like, oh my God, I'm so offended. Um, and so anyway, he told his followers to report me like, okay, let's all mass report her. Let's mass report her account because they didn't mass report my video. My video wasn't against guidelines. So they just were like, let's report her account. And like, I guess report me for like hate speech, speech. something. Yeah. So I had like a whole bunch of people like boom, 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 just mass report my actual account itself, not just the video. Because if it was the video, they would just take down the video. But they're like, no, let's mass report her account so that she's obsolete from this world. <laughs> so they sat there, they got me banned. They were so proud of themselves. I appealed it. TikTok was like, no. And then the guy and his friends came to my Instagram and they were boasting about it. And they were like, yeah, we got rid of you. You're not going to spread that message in our community. Da, 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 da. And I was like, okay. And so they started then trying to mass report my cinnamon babe Instagram. Like, we're going to get rid of you completely from the planet. You're never going to have your message be heard or seen. Of course, let's silence the, silence the black woman. Let's silence what we don't want to hear. Like, of course. Um, no, <laughs> my lawyers, my management, my team got my account back. And then when I got it back, I was verified and I then got a music tab. So I'm like, no, you can't kill me. I'm going to always come back. Um, so it was like a victory for me. And then when CNN like put it out, it was even more of a badass victory. It was like, you're not going to fucking silence me for saying something that's historically accurate. Kiss my ass. And I think at that point, a lot of those guys like that all like a lot of the hate all died at that moment. Because once they were like, wow, we, we can't get rid of her that easily. It was kind of like this feeling of like damn to them. So a lot of them stopped messing with me after that. Cause it just, I probably just sucked to like sit there and be so proud of yourself. Like we got rid of her. And then I come back even bigger and better. And now you're just like sad. I mean, it sucks because it ruined, like, the video was going like crazy viral. So I feel like it would have been even bigger in numbers. And also it messed up my algorithm and like made it. So when I posted, it was very low views in comparison to what it was before, yeah. but whatever, I got my account back. And, um, I think a lot, like, it was like, so many people who supported me at that time and they kept posting about me and um some were white people who you know were supporting me they were defending me hard body and then there was a lot of people of color that were defending me hard body and when i came back it was almost like a victory for all of them everyone was like yeah we got your account back yeah we did it and it felt like a, it felt great to a lot of people because they were like yeah like you're not gonna because this song to a lot of people was empowering and so for them to have that deleted was like got me hyped up <laughs> To a lot of like to a lot of people, it was like, damn, yeah, this makes you feel good. So for that to be deleted for a lot of them, it made them feel like the same community that they already don't feel welcomed in. It really made them feel like shit, I really don't feel welcomed in it. So to see my shit get deleted, they're like, wow, we can't even be pro-black in this goddamn space. And that like upset people. So when uh, I got my shit back, a lot of people were happy. They were like, yeah. We did it. We got the shit back. And now I'm like, yeah, now I'm making a whole bunch of like pro women songs too. And like, I haven't made another race song because end of the day, here's the thing people don't get. My whole goal of coming into metal and rock was never to make race songs. And never, the only reason I made rock and roll was black is because people were fucking with me. I yeah. literally came into space, minded my business, um, didn't make anything about race. And literally the day I entered, all I got was like shitloads of like, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. Stick to R&B, stick to reggae. I don't even, reggae? <laughs> like, I swear to God, like reggae, like what? Like, like get out of this genre, get out of here. And then the, you know, a lot of black folks were like, demonic, get out of here. So I just was sick and tired of everybody telling me I couldn't do it. 
And it just made me, you know, start doing my own history about rock. And I was like, let me see what people are talking about. Because I didn't really know a ton about the history of rock like that. And then what I started having was people who defended me. And they kept saying to me, like, girl, like, you belong here. You don't know who made this. You don't know. And so when I found out a lot of the history and the origins of it, it made me feel more empowered. Like, oh, yeah, like, you definitely not going to tell me I don't belong here. So that's why I made it. So people want to complain about me being a race baiter. You made me a race baiter. I came in this space minding my damn business and you kept harassing me. And maybe other black folks deal with it and they're like, okay, whatever. I'm not one of those people. I'm going to say some shit. So I made the song. It's their fault. I made it. Should never mess with me. Should have never kept being racist towards me. Then I wouldn't have made the song. So I made it. Haven't made a race song since then because I don't really have one. I don't really have a motivation for one at the, at the moment. If I think of one or if there's something in my life or something that happens in the world, then I guess I'll make one. Um, it's it, I don't sit here and despite what people think, because I get accused of you made the song to go viral. You made the song for attention. No, I didn't. I made the song because of a personal experience. So if I have another racial personal experience, or if, like I said, a, like a George Floyd type of situation happens or something like that, um, that motivates me or like inspires me to make something because I feel like something needs to be said, then I'll do that. But at the moment, women's rights are a big thing I'm talking about because of obviously the Roe versus Wade thing, a lot of issues with uh, trans women are having, a lot of issues um, that I've seen sex workers go through. Those are things right now that I personally am affected by and I personally am upset by. So right now I'm making songs that are inspired by that. So despite what people think, I'm not just sitting here like, what can I make to offend people? No, I mean, if I want to offend people, <laughs> I could say a lot worse. I'd be like Tom McDonald if I want to offend people. OK, every single song would be like obvious that yeah. I'm trying to offend people. I'm clearly not, you know, like Loose, for example, offended people. I don't even know how that offended people. It was like. Well, can, can, can you actually like because uh, I you know just watched the uh, the video for that. And I think out of all the songs you have released, I think that's definitely like by far your best song. And I think yeah. things are like definitely. And you posted a clip of a song with Otep, and that sounded really cool. Is that out? So I'm making an EP right now for the label that I'm gonna go with. And so um, like Loose, the same producer I used for Loose, it was my rock and roll was black. And my first two songs before that, I didn't have a producer. I just did that shit by myself, just like try to figure it out. And um, since then, like with Loose, I got a new producer, SJ, that I work with now on every song. And so the songs I have moving forward are all with her. And they're like basically like, like they sound very similar to Loose and in instru instrumentally and also production quality and everything like that. So that's yeah, who that's I work with now. So the man I worked with with her and did that song with Otep, which is great. SJ set it up for us. And um, basically that song, I already kind of offended some people on social media a little bit, but like the song's not fully out yet. So they don't really have much to say, but from the little clips I've posted, people have said little comments. Um, but basically the song is like about me comparing like womanhood to being a man and how like, I wish I was the man so that I could, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G have certain like benefits that come with being a man versus a woman. So obviously that offended some people because they're like, oh, you know, being a man is not easy. And then they're also like, there's a whole bunch of comments that keep saying that I can just be a trans man if I wanted to be. Like, there's a whole bunch of those comments. And I'm like very confused by them because trans men don't have any rights. So I'm very confused. Um, 
But yeah, Otep is a perfect person because we both share a lot in that branding of like women who are offensive by what we say, I suppose. And she offends a lot of people by standing up for LGBT rights and saying things about women. And so we are a perfect match, in my opinion. The thing about it is a huge fan base for it, though, because even like my Banshee, the artist I just worked with, um, I just did a song. I just did her song, The Death of a Predator. And I'm on her remix. We got like 50, over 50,000 streams in like less than a week. And like uh, we were number 13 for Spotify's, like Spotify's own metal playlist. We were like number 13, um, like within like like two, three days. And start the shit's gone. Like on her on her TikTok, she's a she does TikTok really well. On her TikTok and Instagram, it's been going crazy. And her whole song is about like being happy that her like sexual assaulter's dead. And I'm featured on it. And I'm like celebrating this motherfucker being dead. So all the women that I'm surrounded by, the people I'm surrounded by, they are like me in messaging. And then their fans gravitate towards me. So it's like I have no shortage of people who like my message or agree with me. So I'm like, I have people who are unique that aren't typical metal fans either. There's a lot of these women who typically don't like metal or rock that are like, oh my God, talking about women's shit, I love you. There's a lot of LGBT people, a lot of trans women and stuff who follow me who are like, you support us, I, I fuck with you. Because a lot of people in this scene have not seen people who speak up for people like that. So for them, they're like, oh wow, like you you represent us, I'm gravitating towards you. So it's like where there's not a fan base, you create a new one. Everybody as an artist is like, let me try to fit in with like what's already being made. First of all, 95% of these popular bands y'all keep naming are like from goddamn early 2000s and 90s and 80s. Those people are old now. Gen Z is all about being a political warrior. Gen Z is all about speaking up for trans rights, gay rights. It's a different era. Black people back in the 80s and 70s and shit, you had to be quiet. You had to be compliant. You had to like, like, yeah, there obviously were people who fought and like did all that. But um, there was a major consequences to speaking up back then. Now it's a different generation of like, we are allowed, we're proud, we talk our shit because we do have the safety of the internet now. Like we don't have to be on the front lines putting our lives in danger. Now we can sit at our computers and like talk about our issues and our oppression without putting our life in danger. So it's a different generation now. Like we can stand up for gay rights and shit now from the comfort of our home and not have to worry about like somebody bashing us over the head. So Gen Z loves me, <laughs> like FYI. The people who hate on me are a bunch of old ass white dudes. Like I'm talking about like forties and like fifties and shit are the main people who hate me. I don't care. They're going to be dead anyway. So. Jesus. <laughs> bring it down. <laughs> just celebrating dead people. Just, just bring me down <laughs> the dead right. people. All right. See, I think the new, new song is the demonic song. I think from what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm, just I'm, just, I'm just a Pisces bitch, but. No, I know. Just, a lot of energy. All right. There's a lot of. There's a lot of energy here. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to keep up. I'm after this. I'm gonna have to do some push-ups and some chin-ups to try and keep up. Try and it's keep up. 40. You gotta get up. You gotta. You gotta... I'm up. I'm up. I don't. I don't need a second cup of coffee now. All right. Uh, so. <laughs> you gotta. That's what I'm saying. I'm all about high energy. I don't make that depression shit. I don't make stuff crying. My shit ain't about crying. It's not about being a victim. It's about you don't like me, bitch. I'm gonna break this fucking door now. 
All right, that fur that uh plant did nothing to you. All right, so save save it, the plants, save the forest. Worry, it's fake. It's fake. <laughs> save the plastic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Uh, So, no, but I, I, I was interested in this, this song, Loose, because you're, in many ways, you know, rock and roll is black, touched a certain third rail, yeah. This kind of conversation, which I think in many ways, I want to say is specifically unique to you, but it's fairly unique in the rock space, um, kind of because of your your background and your your other career, uh, you know, do like I said, doing modeling and OnlyFans and things like this in, in the sex work realm. And no, but I think it's like... Why do you got to mention OnlyFans? I think I'll roast you. You mentioned that. <laughs> Study of my career. I'm a full blown actress. I'm an actor. But you know, that's that's not, see. Now I feel bad. I thought this was because because you had I had read something I think on Twitter, um, where you know you were talking about how you felt you know in some ways like um, torn you know between I guess the pressure to have to kind of create content that um, you know puts highlights on that because it's something that you rely on professionally um, and, and just ha- and, and having a kind of conflict, you know, between those yeah. two worlds of, of being different kinds of creator. I'm sorry. I, like I said, I, I, I want to make sure, cause I, to me, these subject matter is very sensitive and like, I want to be um, for you or sensitive for me. I think it's sensitive in general. Like I, like I, yeah. you know, I, I just think um, because I don't, I'm. I don't have the most uh, knowledge about it from an, from an inside perspective. So I want to mm. the way I tackle it from a conversational standpoint um, is to be a, is to be as respectful as possible, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, and, mean, and, and 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 so like and by the way, and anything you want me to cut out or anything, I can I, I can do no, that. No, listen, anything I, you're you're not comfortable with. No, listen, everything I feel like everything's out there. Um, 
I'll address it quickly. But I, um, the thing about it is that I have my passions in life and I have kind of my have to do's, right? So my careers are, I, I'm a TV and film actor, um, not porn, actual TV and film actor, just saying that for the people watching. And I've been a professional actress since 2016. And acting does not pay the pay the bills, you know what I mean? And as much as I've done, I've done major movies and I've done uh, a lot of major TV shows and stuff. But, you know, I get residuals and things of that sort. But acting, until you, maybe you book like the lead on a major TV show or something, it's not consistent work. And music is, you know, it, it's blah, blah, blah. I'm still very new in it. So my whole thing is I started in sex work at 16. And it was a way of survival. And the thing about it is when I got into sex work at 16, and when I say sex work, I mean, I'm not talking about full-blown sex work, like having sex with, sex with someone. I'm speaking about everything from stripping to dominatrix work to sugar babying to nude nude photography, stuff like that. Um, I've never been a full-service sex worker or anything. But I always did stuff within that sexual adult realm, I suppose you can call it. Mm-hmm. And I did it at 16, needed money, whatever. And then as I got into adulthood, I was still in a bad, I was in bad situations. I was homeless multiple times when I got kicked out of foster care and I had got regular jobs at first and it wasn't paying the bills. So I had to get into stripping and all that. Um, I didn't have to, but I just was tired of struggling. And the thing about it is at the same time I was doing that, I was also starting my modeling career, which I don't consider my, I'm not a model anymore, but I used to, that's where I started. And when I got into the industry, I started off being a music video uh, model, did a bunch of major music videos and I did a bunch of magazines. Like I said, I was a playmate uh, starting in 2015. I was became a penthouse pet. Um, I modeled for tons of nude magazines and blah, 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 blah. And I built a brand online from sexuality, Instagram modeling, whatever you want to call it. And I'm fortunate now that I'm like 900 and something thousand followers in on my Instagram for that brand. And I've made a lot of money and success from that. But then also in the acting world, it's kind of blended because in acting, I do a lot of sex scenes, which is normal for actors. Um, I've done a lot of roles that are where my character is supposed to be sultry and all those type of things. So I've built a big brand for myself as that. And I don't have a problem with it. I'm a sexually liberated person. But the only issue I have is that when you're a sexually liberated woman and that's your brand in a misogynistic world, um, there are benefits to it because because it's a misogynistic world, it's seen as taboo and things that are taboo will make you more money and there's less people willing to go within it. But the downsides of it is the the treatment that you may get like the same men who support you are the same men who will call you all types of slut and hoe and you're not worth this and the minute you say anything they don't want to hear and stick to showing your body um and then it's very hard to merge into other lanes so if you're a woman who did any type of sex work and you want to be a teacher or a lawyer or anything that's a professional field like politics or anything it's always going to be held over your head Right. Like it's always going to be something that was bad or wrong, because once you go that way, the world just feels like you can't do anything else for some reason. And it would be extremely hard for a woman to be a stripper, for example, and people know about it and then be like, I'm going to go be a mayor. Because then it would just be like, 
how you were nothing but this, you, you know, you're, you know, cause it's associated with being stupid. It's associated with you clearly weren't smart enough to do anything else. Um, and then people, you know, degrade and look down on it. So for me, um, it can get straining because I still do that type of stuff. I still do like the sexy pictures and I guess only fans and, you know, I still work with penthouse and stuff. Um, it can be very hard for people to see me outside of that in a more serious light, which is why I made Cinnamon Babe its own brand. And yeah. surprisingly, there's some people who the first time they've heard about me, the first time they've known about me was from my music. And so I'm able to give that first impression. That's how I know found out about you. So, yeah, a lot of people go down the rabbit hole and they figure it out. But I'm very happy that a lot of people know me for the music first, which is great, because then a lot of that judgment maybe can come afterwards. But it's great that for some people, they get that first interaction of, oh, wow, she's an artist. Great. Cool. Which is why I separated the name from my name. And when you Google Cinnamon Babe, it doesn't show like my model pictures and all that type of stuff, which is why I separated. But I don't genuinely at this point in my life really enjoy doing the sexy pictures and all that as much anymore. It's kind of more like a chore because my passion now is really about creating like art that speaks to me even in acting I'm, I'm bored with playing the stripper i'm bored with playing the hot girl or bored with playing like that to me doesn't excite me there's times my agents will send me like auditions and it's like okay you're gonna be playing hot girl number five or whatever the hell and it yeah. doesn't excite me i'm like okay it's a check okay it's a major network and i'll do it so i can be on a major net you know be on these major networks and just check it off my list but what excites me is like, this is a thought provoking, interesting role. This is something that has a meaning to it. That's more interesting to me. And last year I was fortunate. I got to lead a show for two months um, for, for 11 episodes playing a 17 year old teen mom. That was something that really excited me. It was different. And then Irv Gotti's movie that I filmed in July I got to play like this gangster chick that's basically running this drug operation while her man's in prison for his movie. So things like that have been more like, yes, this is exciting and fun for me. I can actually be an actor and get into this. But when someone's like, we want you to be in this movie for five minutes and like show your tits, that's, I'm like, okay. It's not, it's not exciting. But like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to check it off my list of accomplishments, but it doesn't really motivate me as an artist. And with the music, I, it's really about my voice. It's really about, I feel like someone who's been silenced and people don't understand about my history. I was also, I grew up in a um, physically abusive household before I got into foster care. And as a kid, I was very much silenced because if I spoke back, I was punished. When I was six years old, I had uh, bruises up and down my legs and I went to school and I was questioned by counselors or somebody or a social worker, not sure who it was. And I was questioned on it. And I remember I spoke up and I said, hey, you know, this happened to me at home. And I explained how it happened. And I don't know maybe if the system's different than it, than it is now, but I guess they snitched on me, um, which is really weird. So my parents, I'll say parents, so I don't get anybody messaging me comments later today, um, found out what I had said and I had got punished severely for speaking up at that time. It took me almost 10 years later to have the courage to speak up again against what I was going through at home and the things that how it was affecting me. 
So for a lot of my life, I was just like very much silenced and quiet about the things that happened to me. And every time I didn't like something, I wasn't allowed to be unhappy about it. I wasn't allowed to speak up against what I was going through. And then when I became homeless, I had to depend on staying with friends and boyfriends. And because I was in that situation, people would mistreat me and talk down to me. And because I needed a place to live, I dealt with a lot of verbal abuse and I dealt with people talking very badly to me. And then I got into sex work as far as stripping and doming and sugaring and all this different stuff where then I felt I didn't have a voice again because I felt like I had to play a character within those spaces. And when things made me uncomfortable, I had to kind of still be quiet about it. And so I got to, a, and then I will, and then getting just into the entertainment industry of being a model, being an actor, I was sexually assaulted multiple times by directors, photographers, because I got into it as a teenager. So at age 16, 17, 18, 19, I'm getting dicks pulled out on me. I'm getting people trying to touch me and people trying to kiss me. I'm having people, you know, just doing weird stuff to me. And I, for some reason, was conditioned that if I wanted to make it in acting or make it into modeling, that I had to be compliant and I had to just like, be, be uncomfortable, but then not say anything, not snitch on anybody, not say anything, not because a lot of people who did stuff to me or said things to me, they were bigger than me. And I was like, well, I don't want to make them mad because then I won't get hired anymore. So for a very, very large portion of my life, I was mistreated, 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 mistreated. And I just had to stuck just just take it in and take it in and take it in and be like, I have to behave. I can't speak out. I can't. I can't get, you know, and I'm at a point in my life now where I don't give a fuck. And people who have had a typical life have absolutely no right to tell me to shut my fucking mouth. Because if you have been fortunate to not deal with child abuse, not to deal with domestic abuse, not to deal with uh, sexual abuse, not to deal with um, people silencing your entire life, if your voice has never felt like it was completely like insignificant you have no right to tell me that i can't speak on my own platform and nobody in the world i don't care if it's the damn government unless they want to put a bullet in my head is going to tell me i'm going to be quiet and that's my stance on it and this is the healing for my trauma and this is how i feel empowered through everything i've been through and so People may want to mask it as, like I said before, clickbaiting, race baiting, saying things to be controversial on purpose. No, I'm saying shit that I have been wanting to say for the majority of my life that I now have the confidence and the balls to say. I have skin thick as a wall. And so a bunch of like weirdos on the Internet saying I suck or I should quit or they're going to kill me, whatever the hell it is. I'm at a point in my life now where. I don't give a shit. If you want to kill me because I said something you don't like, well, then that's on you. You can kill me all you want. I mean, what the fuck am I supposed to do about it? If you want to like try to ban me, report me, I'll make another account. So if people understand my resilience, what I've been through, I'm a person who's been homeless over three times in my life. I'm a person who survived abuse multiple times. I'm someone who has made it from the bottom up. I'm someone who's a foster kid that now makes over six figures a year for myself as someone in their twenties. So for me, you cannot, like I try to explain to people, you cannot fucking get rid of me. I'm not trying to get rid of you. <laughs> like you can't, you know, you can't get rid of me. Cause if you banned me on everything in the world, I would just do it again. 
And yeah, so, you know, it's very interesting to me how offended people are by other people speaking. And it's like, it's just, I don't know. I think it's just crazy to me because I see things all the time. I don't agree with, you know, I, yeah. I, I Trump supporters, I don't go to their Instagrams and be like harassing them. It's like, sure. But it's but, people, but, but I think yeah. it's like, again, kind of speaking to what I was saying before, I think it's emblematic of how these, uh, these spaces work right like the idea mm -hmm. is that if i'm on twitter right twitter is going to feed me content that i don't like that inflames me that's gonna because that type of stuff is gonna get me to engage right and i imagine if you're the type of person that uh i think no matter what is something that you might be offended by or bothers you right like if you're the type of person who goes you what offends me is the police beating up black people and every time, then the algorithm will feed you more videos of the police beat up black people. If you're the type of person that you, you feel their stuff is against white people, it will feed you stuff that it thinks is against that. So whatever offends you or bothers you or they think will get you going, that is how this stuff <laughs> kind of connects. And in, in many ways, you know, I don't know your relationship with it because it seems like it's not purposeful on your end too. Uh, push people or be controversial, but at the end of the day, it being controversial has always helped artists. Like <laughs> 99 out of 100 times, it, you know, and and I feel like a lot of artists were doing it on purpose. They, they didn't, you know, uh, you know, half of the people in metal that were quote unquote Satanists, they weren't. They were just doing it because they're like, what's the most extreme thing we can put out there to piss people off, to get church people to come and with uh, picket signs and and because then because as they say uh, all press is good press and that's what you're... kind of annoys me though I get compared to shock artists like no offense like much respect to Wendy O Williams for example but the other day when I was saying like about being controversial and metal someone was like oh Wendy O Williams was like 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 you can never beat her on controversy first of all i don't want to beat anybody in controversy and people don't understand is i don't like being controversial it's not something that i like thrive to be i actually wish i could just like make my music and have people be like i love you i love you like i don't like getting hate like i don't know what people think you know but i don't like being compared to shock artists um i don't have a problem with shock artists i think make your art the way you want to but I don't like being compared to them because shock artists in my opinion don't really stand for anything they're doing things, like you said, like pissing off Christians or conservative people. That to me is should not be compared to me talking about racism, uh, reproductive rights, you know, gay, gay rights. I think that that's disrespectful to put those two things in the same category because shock artists are asking for it. Like they want it. Like they legitimately are like, I hope this offends people. And they're literally doing it to piss people off. I know the world I live in. So I know that people are offended. If I say my body's my choice and women should have the right to get abortions. I'm not saying that because I, I want to make people angry. I'm saying that because I genuinely believe that abortions, healthcare and women should have rights to, to that. You know what I mean? I think that's the difference. I'm not like going on stage, but naked, like, Ooh, I hope I make people angry today. I'm not like pissing on people to make people mad. I'm not, burning the American flag to make people like, to just be like, oh, I'm gonna shock people. That's the difference. I'm actually standing for something. I'm actually speaking up for things that need to be spoken up about. I don't like, I, I hate that comparison. It's so disrespectful. 
Well, like I, very disrespectful. What I'm saying is there's a a kind of a, a spectrum in terms of it's whether what I'm saying, yes, there are people who do it on purpose, but then there so but there's also an element of something being mutually beneficial, right? So if NWA writes fuck the police, even if you 100% believe that and it's something you stand for, there's no way you can release that not knowing that you're going to get pushback and that the pushback is part of the success. Ultimately, if you mm -hmm. release a song, you want it to be successful. So, so the point is to get it out to as many people as possible. And so those things work hand in hand. And if you put out stuff that's super safe, that's not going to offend anyone, and it's not touching any important subject matter, right? There's a likelihood maybe it does not connect or it doesn't sell. So what I'm saying is there's a, an incentive built in to many elements of art and media that the the more kind of polarizing something is the more it touches things that are going to garner a a big response whether you're provocateur or not it is all kind of it all works together often in the benefit of the artist and there are risks there of course right but yeah it's scary it, people don't get even when i'm writing there's legitimate <laughs> things i leave out because i don't want a certain response like i i literally like even just now when i'm writing and stuff like that i'll purposely leave out like certain things so that it doesn't create too much of an uproar because i'm my whole goal is to get my message out there but i'm really not trying like i said well, rock and roll is black didn't even mention white people in it. i didn't i didn't mention white people on purpose i could have been like i say they a lot or i'll say um this is happening because of this but i'll try to purposely not you know, identify people like that so they don't feel maybe as personally attacked. If I wanted to really provoke people, I could be more direct, but I try to be a little bit more abstract in it so that, like I said, I'm not really trying to hurt people's feelings and I'm not genuinely trying to make people be like, damn, I, I'm so offended by this. I'm literally trying to just open people's eyes to things and maybe broaden their their mind because I'm aware that a lot of people are only growing up around people that look like them and maybe they're only around their own culture and maybe they're very close-minded to how things are because they're stuck in their religion stuck into their little tiny demographic of people and so I think that music is something that can help broaden that but at the same time I don't want them to turn it off because they're offended I want them to like listen to the end of the song so I, I'm trying even now as I'm writing more to like you know, write things in a way where it's less like direct, even in like the man, the song I made with Otep, it's like, I say, I wish I was the man versus like a man, because how I look at it is the man is something that we always use as like the person that's running shit or the people who are in charge, instead of being like directly like a man or men have it easy. I didn't even say men have it easy, you know? So I'm trying to like, not really hurt people's feelings or piss them off too much, but unfortunately people are going to see it that way regardless so yeah yeah no I, I i hear that and it's uh i i feel the same way in many ways which in ways i kind of uh speak online or i've done a lot of writing and even when i do the monologues for the show when i touch on touchy subjects like i'm never trying to uh offend people but it's like you said there's kind of no matter what you do someone's always going to be triggered 
by I have by a something. lot of white fans. People don't get that. I have a shitload of white fans. I have a lot of white followers. I have a lot of white women, white men who follow me, support me. I work with white art. I just did a song with a white artist and another white artist. I have no problem with white people. I have had white people in my band I've worked with. Um, my manager is white. Not that any of this matters. It's like my whole my friend's black argument. But I'm just saying the point <laughs> of like, I don't want to offend, obviously. I'm not trying to like hurt white people's feelings, for example. Um, I want to open the eyes of some white people who may have a limited view on the experiences of people of color. And as far as men too, I have a lot of male supporters. I have men who support me in my other lanes and they support me here. And I, once again, don't hate men, don't want men to be like, she doesn't like us. I'm trying to personally address a certain type of man. So it's like, I try to like word my things where I'm not completely like shutting off certain fans and followers. But at the same time, like they say, you know, hip dogs are going to holler. So I always feel like if what I'm saying specifically hurts you or offends you, and I've already spent my time trying to clean it up so it didn't just directly hit everyone, I feel like then maybe you're the demographic. Because even with Loose, like I had so many men that were offended by Loose, which was very confusing because the whole song is about men who experience sex workers in different various ways, but then disrespect them and feel like they can disrespect them. In the song, when we were writing it, we were specifically not trying to shame men for getting sex workers. We were not trying to shame men that got services because I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So we were trying to specifically talk about the men that feel like it's okay to consume porn or consume strippers or whatever, and then turn around and disrespect them. And even the video reflects that. It's the men disrespecting the women that got the bad treatment from us. But unfortunately, there were still men that were like, you're going to disrespect the same men that are paying for your OnlyFans. I said, the men, if you're on my OnlyFans and you go and you inbox me that I'm a slut and I'm a hoe and you hate me, yes, you deserve me to disrespect you. But as you can see, I never disrespected the men who are being supportive, who are like being nice, you know, but people always make their own narratives of things. It's, it's very annoying, well, but that's what happens with art, you know? That's a very common, uh, narrative going you know i don't know how much you follow like the manosphere like the the andrew tates of the world and 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 things like that where <laughs> you know that that, that whole like men's rights and uh, like was it fresh and fit podcast those like idiots um i'd rather eat my own vomit than follow them but it, i'm but, unfortunately forced to see it because it goes viral and people yeah. react to it and talk about it and i'm forced but, to see it but, the, but what I'm saying is that, that was, those <laughs> mindsets have kind of, it's like everything is a reaction to something, right? So mm -hmm. essentially you have uh, Me Too, you have BLM, you have cancel culture. And what we're experiencing now is the response to that, which is, oh, this thing is big. I'm going to be anti that, right? And so yeah. I, I think that mentality often is like the kind of repressed conservative male who wants in their mind they want this uh kind of prototypical 1950s you know traditional just the woman in the house and they have this idea of what the way things are supposed to be <laughs> but the but the truth is they're also repressing a lot of their own bullshit and their own um you know like uh kind of desires that they Want to, you know, like they, in a way they hate their own, they hate the fact that they want the porn star or they want 
the stripper. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's a way of projecting their own kind of self it's called insult energy <laughs> yeah well but and, and but even even that like i think is disruptive to this conversation because it's i think the spaces that these conversations are having is like we're interacting with the worst version of the opposition and it's like everyone becomes a caricature and every everyone is on this opposite end and everyone is viewed as an enemy and we can't actually like have constructive collective conversations and it's like i almost think about these the songs you make and like the the arguments like people coming at you you going at them i'm like i got this image in my head of of being on like back in the 90s this would have been a subject on like jerry springer and you'd be like we have controversial artists here you know cinnamon babe and like they're and then the people who hate you would be on there and you guys would argue and then the crowd would weigh in it's like you didn't see when little kim was on uh one of those shows and people were attacking her for how she despicts black women or something and people were saying how they were upset about the images that she puts out she was on some talk show and the audience was like attacking her yeah but that's but i feel like the thing the subject matter you you touch um you know elicits some of these reactions and it's it's but it's in many ways like those conversations are important to have but it's yeah. like but i think in many ways like if if you were to let's say you had f five critics on tiktok who stitched something and criticized you if you were actually in like a panel and actually having a discussion i'm not saying it wouldn't get heated and wouldn't get ugly but i think it's a lot easier to have those conversations when you're kind of dealing with people as human beings instead of in this ecosphere of social media which is like it's built to see mm -hmm. the person you're arguing with as like the worst version and and i think in many ways i think one extreme um inspires the other extreme so the two it's like two magnets pushing against each other that they just get further and further and further away and it's everyone's, um, everyone's playing a character that's the that's the problem most people are not genuine most of these guys don't even believe what the hell they're saying they're they're playing a character and they know that certain groups of people are easy to rile up. And like, for example, these like right wing, super conservative artists, they know all they have to do is say Trump a bunch of times in songs, talk about how much they don't like BLM, talk about how much they don't, they, 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 they think the whole trans women in bath, like, they know the, the specific topics to hit. And all they do is spew hate. Like, yes, I'm this super conservative guy. I'm against everything liberals are against. And then, with that, they're able to rile up this audience that feels the same way. And they like play this character almost where they're just like, there's no leeway. I feel like the difference with me, I feel like is I, I'm not playing a character. I genuinely like believe what I'm saying, but I also don't think I'm an extremist. Like I'm not sitting here like, you know, I'd never say, oh, I hate men. And, you know, there's some women like that who play that character of like all men are trash and I hate men and da, 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 and all that. And I, I don't feel like I play into that. I feel like I say specifically what I... I'm trying to say, um, and I try not to come off as an extremist. I don't think I'm an extremist at all um, because I feel like an extremist would be like, we're taking, you know, we're the only ones that are going to be in this and like, you know, what? And, and I never, I felt like I never personally have shown hate towards like white people in the space. So I feel like I try to be that middle ground of like, hey, can we just acknowledge like that we belong here because of this reason? I mean, we belong here anyway. And then that's about it. But Unfortunately, I attract a lot of extremists, but what people don't get about me too is before music, I've 
always gotten this reaction. That's why I'm not really phased by it. And I don't even think it's just about music. I think it's about me. Because even when I just, <laughs> just doing the sexy modeling shit, people have been coming at me for years. I have been called a slut and a hoe and this and that. And I don't deserve a voice and all this shit for years because of what I do. I get comments like, oh yeah, your dad must be so proud of, you know, how you show yourself and you're going to, you know, I hope you never have kids because of how you show yourself. And I just get, per, you know, people attacking me on a regular basis for like existing the way I exist. Um, my natural hair just gets attacked. I just go and I post pictures of myself. I exist. My hair gets clowned. My, you know, everything I do seems to be an issue. So I think that for me, like getting attacked in music was just like another layer of like whatever. Cause I'm like everything I say or do just seems to be a problem. So well, it's just, you know. <laughs> from what I've I've from what I've gathered from, you know, talking to you today, clearly you've been through a lot of adversity and, you know, have dealt with a lot of just difficult just a lot of stuff that most of us will never experience. And, you know, you've made it on the other end of that, uh, I think about as successful manner as any of us could have hoped, you know? And I think obviously it takes a lot of, I mean, a very, very thick skin for any of us to kind of exist in the world of the internet, but especially when you put yourself out there and it mm -hmm. clearly you have something to say. And I think that wherever you you end up, uh, you know, in this this kind of journey with, 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 with your career, um, I think that just takes a lot of balls to get out there and say what you want to say and not be afraid and be willing to kind of take the heat in the kitchen in a way yeah. that, you know, cause I've, I've dealt with stuff in a different sense in terms of dealing with, with uh, hate on the internet. Um, and it's taken its toll on me and I've had difficult times. So I, I commend you for kind of, you know, uh, do you think you're controversial? Oh no! This was um, had to do with our the ex singer of our band. Like it was a whole like harassment campaign and crazy thing. But uh, and it was literally like fans of our band like saying they hate us. So it was it was a whole different kind of thing. But I think what I'm saying is those of us who have gone through being on the internet and having to deal with literal internet hate, like people hating on us, that I think it does take its toll on your mental health, and we're not necessarily built for that as human beings to kind of get, have a bunch of anonymous people or random people tell, say bad things about you and wish bad things upon you. So I just think you're a fighter and, uh, and I think it takes a lot of strength to kind of, because you're, you know, essentially a solo artist and you're out there kind of doing it. Uh, even though you have help, you're, you're the face of it and you're taking the brunt of it. So I just, uh, like, I just commend what you're doing and I, I just really happy you, you know, you took the time to, to be on the show and share your story and share your opinions. And, uh, I think we need more people like you, you know, even like I said, I don't agree with everything you say, but that's okay. I, I love having the conversation, but I want you to be able to say what you think and stand by it because we need bold people out there that stand yeah. for something. Oh, trust me. I'm like, like I, since I entered the scene, I've had multiple black women, I've met a lot of black alternative women in the space and I had a couple of them give me like an intervention of like, I've had other black women in the space tell me I make black women look weak because I'm, I'm complaining about things or I post the hate. I've had black women to my face, like another other alternative black artists come to me in person and say that they don't like 
how I do things. I've had them tell me like, I don't like that you post the hate that you get. I don't like that you comment on the hate that you get. They were like, we face racism too. And we just like deal with it. Like, you know, and they basically were telling me just to like deal with it and don't talk about it. Um, don't give I, oxygen to that, to like, to the haters kind of. Well, yeah, I mean, to, to both, like I've just, I did to eat to haters and to just people who, um, I mean, I guess you can call them haters too, but haters and like just straight up racist. Like I was told by other black women in the space to my face, like that they have, they also face racism and hate, um, specifically about them being in the space. But they said the difference between me and them is that they don't address it. And they were telling me that I need to not address it and that I should not talk about it. And one woman had said I made black women look weak because I come I talk I complain too much or I talk about black issues too much. And I don't I'm like, whatever. Okay. You know, like that's their opinion. And what people don't really understand about me is I don't really give a fuck if you don't agree with my opinion. I will go back and forth with you. I can have a discourse with you. But when I laid my head down at night, um I said what I said. So it's like, you don't have to agree about how I attack social issues. If you believe in like doing the quiet, ignore it, it'll go away approach, then by all means, that's your approach in life. If I sat here and I was forcing other black artists to speak up, sure. But since it's my platform, my voice and my way of doing things, I feel like, you know, people don't have to look at it. I think some of it's also people get upset when they see, like you said, there's, there's also like pros and cons to it because yes, with the controversy, I still went viral. I still has still am raising a popularity because I guess of the controversy. So some people I think also get upset when they see that it works, I suppose. And they're like, they don't like the fact that I'm controversial, but it also works for me. And I think that for some people that makes them upset or annoyed for various reasons, um, but yeah, I get people who, you know, disagree with my approach and how I do things. And like I said, like, if I, I feel like if I cared about the approval of people, I'd be a pop artist. And I don't mean that any disrespect to pop artists, but I think if you're a pop artist, your goal is to be as popular as possible. And I think that my interpretation of metal and punk and stuff is like the opposite of that. I think if you make metal and rock music, if you make metal and punk specifically out of the rock genre and you're doing it solely to be popular and solely to be loved, I think that you're a cornball. And I think that that is like not what it really is for. I think that the whole purpose of it is for people who have something to say that they feel like they don't have anywhere else to say it. And they feel like they're rejects. They feel like they're people that um, don't have a particular space for them. And I think that if you're doing that, if you're trying to be alternative, if you're trying to be different, just so you can like be kind of like, oh, look at me, I'm so different. I think that you're corny. So I think that when people see someone organically like that, then they're like weirded out by it. Yeah, because you have been surrounded by performance. Like there's all these white dudes out there. And I say white dudes, that's who's majority in the scene. There's all these white dudes that have that were raised with fucking silver spoons in their mouth. And then they come into the metal scene and they wear ripped jeans and they act like their life is so oppressed. And oh my God, we're so angry at our moms and dads and the system is so terrible to us. And they'll literally their life has been nothing but like rainbows and butterflies. And they literally have their richest fucks while they're able to afford a shitload of equipment and they were in like private guitar classes since age five and like they had everything handed to them and then they have the nerve to be like yeah like my life is so terrible like here i'm so cool i'm so different i'm so unaccepted and then when someone genuinely 
is oppressed. Genuinely, like someone who has been pushed down and like genuinely has been poor, genuinely has had real oppression, then it's like, oh my God, what is this? Yeah, because you're not used to authentic shit. It's like when a studio gangster sees a real motherfucker that was out there selling crack that actually went to prison, actually has bullet wounds, and they're sitting there like fucking had never grew up in the suburbs and they want to make rap songs about like how hard it is in the streets, never been in the streets. That's how I am. I'm a real G that's been in the streets. So when they see me come in the scene, it's like, oh my God, this is so, why is she so offensive? I'm offensive because you're used to a bunch of performative ass, fake ass, we had it rough people who pretend like their shit's been oppressed their whole fucking life and they've never been oppressed. They've never been oppressed. They've never been, they've never struggled. Their biggest struggle in life is their parents got divorced. I'm supposed to listen to you for five albums straight about how your parents got divorced and you don't feel loved as a kid, but you can't listen to me talk about like actual political warfare against people who look like me. That's where I say I have no sympathy for people who are offended by me whatsoever because you like performance. You like performative, fake oppression. You like people who pretend like you look the part. Like I said, they wear dirty shirts and they look unkept and they look super hardcore and they look scary scary how are they scary are they ever have they ever done anything fucking scary have they been to prison have they been to jail have they have they you know have they actually went through something no you want the you want the appearance of people who look like that part so don't be offended by a real motherfucker who comes in the scene who's actually been there because i've been in the streets baby i'm from the hood baby i've been through the oppression baby so that's why i said these little internet people cannot hurt my feelings like I was in foster care. I lived in group homes where bitches were putting period blood on the fucking walls, okay? You cannot fucking hurt my feelings from your damn TikTok comments. <laughs> That's what they don't get. You can hurt these other people's feelings because their whole life they ain't never had nobody tell them shit to their face, okay? My, You know, like, please. I, I've been hearing I ain't shit since I was like two, three years old. I've been hearing I ain't shit. So trust me, like, I've been, I've been called a slut in a hoe way before I even hit puberty. Sorry, you, you really can't hurt my feelings with your comments. Yeah, I got a little depressed because I got tired of seeing people just like, the reason I got depressed wasn't because people were hating on me because they kept calling me racist. That that got me annoyed because I don't want to be called, like that's literally the thing I fight against. You know what I mean? I, I Like I fight against racists and I fight against people who are like bigots. So I don't want to be called that because that's not even true. That that annoyed me about it. Um, but besides that, nah, like I said, I have very, very tough skin. And where I think I'm going to go with it is I think that um, I'm a person that's not scared to speak in my voice. I think it's going to do nothing but elevate me. And I think that, you know, I think what happens is I think people will stop being shocked after a while. I mean, as far as like it coming from me, I think it'd kind of be like, oh, this is what she does, this is what she talks about. I think it will be less of like, who is this? What is she doing? And I think it'd be more like, oh, yeah, that's what she does. She talks about this shit. Like, you know what I mean? I think people will get used to me after a while. And, yeah. <laughs> well, I think you're. I think overall you're you're on the right track, and and things are definitely working out. Before I let you go, I have to ask you one question. There was this dude that was beefing with you, and it, this black dude with like a perm, <laughs> something, and he had that like, what was it? Rock and roll is white song, and I could not. And he released it. I, he dude, actually released it. But it's really bad, and uh, <laughs> but. Is that dude for real, or is it like some WWF like wrestling, like doing a bit thing? Because he doesn't seem like a real, like he seems like a cartoon character. What's his name? Now you gonna get him views, Wicked Witch. What, dude? This guy 
is I don't know if he's funny on purpose or unintentionally funny, but I just like I, I can't take him seriously. But the thing is, you were posting the stuff, so it's your it's your fault that I know about this, but it was very entertaining. But I can't tell if he was really beefing with you, or he was just doing content. Okay, so unfortunately, first of all, I got attacked by a couple of black men with perms. He wasn't the only one. The <laughs> black dude who attacked me. <laughs> he had a perm too so i think black men with perms don't like me um but i think a black man getting a perm kind of it speaks in itself um you know this is not the 70s or the 80s or the 60s so i think that a black man getting a perm in 2022 or three i think that you know maybe there's something not you know all the way there um but anyway uh i thought at first that he was a troll. So like when I first saw his videos attacking me, like saying things like, oh, she's so racist and she's this. And he like said a bunch of stupid insults about me and like threw away. He was doing stupid shit. Like he'd go in his cabinet and he would find a bottle of like cinnamon and like throw it in the trash. <laughs> or he made like two diss songs about <sighs> me. He made Rock Girls White, but then he also made this other diss song about me. I forgot the name of it. And he made like 10, 15 videos of me. I don't know. Like, some were on his Instagram, some were on his TikTok. I blocked him, then followers would send it to me. And then he kept using my hashtag for everything. So when I would look up my band on Instagram and on YouTube, like, his shit would come up. But at first, I was like, okay, he's trolling, whatever. Like, he just wants attention. And then I scrolled and I, like, went down years into his stuff. And, like, that's how he always dresses. Like, I talk about, I went down, like, two, three years and I was like, is he wearing a costume? No, like he always wears his hair like that. He always wears like a blonde wig, like a blonde straight wig, or like he also straightened his own hair. And he also wears like very like Brett Michaels type of rock clothes. He looks like he's like in a 80s hair band, the way he dresses. Um, and I thought at first it was like a character, but then unless he's really good at staying a character for years, I scrolled and he's like in public. Like I'm talking about, he's doing charity events. He's uh like literally in venues having dinner and like he's dressed like that like he's wearing like the blonde wig at dinner with people and everything like for like two years two years before he started bothering me but does he talk like oh. a super villain all the time yeah he's always he's always a super villain like and he's also a scientologist <laughs> like a super head hardcore scientologist nice, nice. so he had he had all these like videos of him in the scientologist building like reading books and shit and like he dresses like that. He does charity work with them, I suppose. He dresses like that. Um, so so he's, an, he's just an old-fashioned weirdo. Yeah, like, and he has a video. Like, his most popular video on TikTok was, like, a year before he harassed me. And he has it pinned. And it was, like, about how he doesn't believe, like, in having a Black History Month and how it's racist to have, like, you know, all that type of stuff. Um so I think that's really what he believes because he had either that, like I said, or he's really good at playing a character because he had like thousands of comments attacking him for attacking Black History Month. And he said, how come black people, you know, get BET and black people have this and that? And yeah, so he seemed to be very confident in uh in, in his anti-black views. So I don't think, I think I just stood out to him because the song was viral. Um, but he like got destroyed by my fan base after a while i had posted his stuff but my fans would always go to his shit and destroy him like they would like diss the fuck out of him like they would go on his music videos his tiktok and they would just like <clears throat> destroy this dude and i think he eventually gave up because i think he thought 
that he was going to like convert my fans or like he was going to go viral too. And w and instead he just got like a shitload of people hating on him. But like to the difference between me going viral for hate and him is number one, I didn't make a shitty ass song called Rock and Roll's White that even white people don't agree with because it just <laughs> sounds corny. And number two, um, when you actually stand for something, how I look at it, and the reason I don't mind standing up for shit, but when you actually stand for something and you actually stand for like a, a real cause, yes, you're automatically going to get pushback, obviously. Like if I stand up for like, you know what? You shouldn't like hurt gay people. There's going to be people who disagree with that because there are evil people in this world who think that you should mess with people because they're gay. So no matter what, when you stand for justice, when you stand for what's right, there's always going to be haters. But how I look at it is that because you're on the right side of history and because you're standing for the right shit, you're always going to prevail. That's just my, that's just my opinion. Like, I feel like when you stand for like goofy shit, like he's not, he's just being goofy in my opinion. Like, yeah, maybe that's his real views, but he's not standing for anything. He's like being an asshole. Like he's being a villain. He's being, um, I don't know. He's just being weird. I, I the only supporters of that are going to be people who like to laugh at him. I don't think anybody's going to seriously like agree with him. Like who's going to support rock and roll is white as a song made by a black dude wearing a blonde wig. And it just didn't make any sense. It's strange. So like I think he thought he was gonna go viral and like when he I think he peaked at like 1.5 views or something on YouTube and I think that like when he realized he wasn't going viral and it wasn't like boosting his career I think he gave up. Well, I I I knew it was gonna be an indisputed victory for from you from 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 the get go, you know. But I was just He's taken crazy. in to yeah taken in by the silliness and I was like I was like I don't know if I'd have the I don't even know if I do if someone just a random person. You had tons of people just making videos, calling you out. That's it's wild. It's a wild, wild world I'm, we live in. I'm fucking cool. That's what it means. It means I'm a cool person because I'm badass and I'm interesting. And that's what most of these artists nowadays aren't. A lot of people aren't interesting. A lot of people are talented. And that is the thing. I don't think I'm the most talented person ever. I really don't. I mean, I, I'm not. I, I I just make shit that I like and I make shit that I feel like relates to me. Am I the most talented person? No, I'm not. I'm not. There's people out here who are vocalists that can play the shit out of an eight-string guitar. They can play drums and they can dance backwards and they can sing opera. Am I any of that? No, I'm just a person who's honest and I'm transparent and I just talk about shit people relate to and that's what I do. Um, but a lot of those people who are talented, some of them are interesting. Because they're not, they're they're not willing to speak up. That's boring to me. Like you said, controversial artists always usually are the ones that make it to the top. Because they're interesting. Even if it's like they're not controversial for political reasons, even if they're controversial because they're into some type of like scandal, like if they have some type of sex scandal or if they're involved in some type of like, you know, you know, like type of press type of thing, like they they did something crazy, they wore a crazy outfit. They're interesting to talk about, to look at. And a lot of people are interesting. They can sing, they can play guitar, but they're boring. And, you know, I'm not boring. So well, I think, you know, that's <laughs> that in itself is and it's a skill. Don't be boring. And, uh, yeah. And the thing I always tell people, I'm like, hey, listen, if I just want to click some views, baby, I ain't got to be, uh, I ain't got to talk about race or sexuality and all that. I can literally just show my body. You know how many women I know that make alternative heavy music and their whole brand is just like showing their tits. They just like 
show their tits. Like, they wear little skimpy outfits. Like I follow girls who make things called like twerk metal. And I follow girls who uh, make metal rock music, but their whole things like they'll wear bikinis and they show their titties with tape on it. Or they, you know, they do state this, they use the sex element. I, that's what people don't understand about me. I don't have to be political. I don't have to talk about race. I don't have to talk about women's rights. Do you not understand that I have almost a million followers on Instagram from showing my body? I have a whole fan base for that. I've been in movies showing my body, show my tits and hustlers with, with fucking Lily Reinhardt grabbing on them. I have a whole brand built in with sexuality that I can legitimately capitalize on to the full extent if I wanted to. What makes you think that I would have to use politics, race, any of this for clicks and views when I'm literally somebody who has damn near a million followers from just my image. Because people don't, people don't use their brain. I don't have to talk about race. I don't have to talk about being black. I can literally be like, hey guys, look at me, and just bounce up and down on a fucking video, and I'll probably get more fucking views. That's what these people don't fucking understand. I can make a song about my pussy in a metal song. I'd be like, oh my God, my pussy wants to get fucked. You know how many fucking views I would get? That's what people don't understand. I don't have to talk about this shit. Ugh. I talk about it because I fucking genuinely care. I genuinely give a fuck about people who look like me one day not having a fucking hard time being in something different than rap and hip hop. And I genuinely give a fuck about women's rights. And I genuinely give a fuck about LGBT people. And I genuinely give a fuck about people like not having a bunch of Trumpers and people who don't believe in women's rights fucking fucking with them. I genuinely Believe that. Because if I did it, if I wanted clicks and views, number one, I wouldn't be in fucking metal. Number two, and number two, I would make music about my pussy, my ass, my tits, and I would show them. And that was all that would be like the sole purpose of all I do. It would just be like, and, and guess what? The only hate I would really get is slut shaming, which is very easy to deal with. But I wouldn't get the racist. I wouldn't have people trying to ban me. I'd have a bunch of horny dudes that would watch my video 10 times on mute and just look <clears> at my body. And it would be the easy fucking way up. So trust me, I don't have, and I can wear my hair straight, wear a blonde wig, slightly pass, and not have anyone fuck with me. The, it, it, trust me, there's an easy way through this if I really wanted to. I did not have to be a political warrior. I did not have to be the Angela Davis of metal. I did not have to come into this bitch and be like, fuck your system, fuck your misogyny. I could have literally capitalized off misogyny and just showed my tits and my nipples and been like, on some Wendy O. Williams shit. And I would have fucking... It would have been a lot easier. Just saying that for the people who think that I have to, to, to talk about what I have to talk about to give views. Trust and believe I do not. I get way more views on my regular Instagram. I get way more views on OnlyFans. I get way more views on that shit. So. Well, I agree 100%. I think I couldn't have said it better myself. Sometimes <laughs> I was like, who's she Who's she arguing at? I'm like, is that someone, dude? <laughs> well, I know, I know you're, I know you, I know who you're, you're, you're speaking to, but. Uh, I'm just speaking to people who think that I somehow have, like, like it's all an act. It's all yeah. a. It's all clickbait. Like I said, I built a majority of my TikTok followers before I started speaking out. And I was getting more views, literally just like, just perking my tits up on the camera and like, me like, I'm pretty. 
got way more views with that. I get way more views when I shut the fuck up. That's why on my regular Instagram, I have videos with 16 million, 8 million, 10 million views of me just bouncing up and down, not saying anything. So trust and believe I could use the same formula to get millions of views in metal and rock. But guess what? I want to perform this shit when I'm 40. And I don't want to be bouncing up and down when I'm 40. And I want to bounce up and down at 50. And I want to have something that I'm actually proud of as an individual and something I feel like actually made a fucking difference. And th that's what people don't get. Do you know what I mean? They don't, they don't get it. So they can keep accusing me of clickbait. You want attention? I fucking get attention. Like I said, I have almost a million followers on Instagram. I get a fucking attention daily. I get paid for the attention I get. And, and, I, and I get way less hate on my regular Instagram bouncing up and down than I do on my Cinnamon Bay page. But one causes me happiness and one is like a chore. So well, anyway. well, the thing I, I agree with you in that is that you are interesting. And I think this is going to be one of the more interesting podcasts I've done. And I'm... Uh, and I, I just really appreciate you uh, taking your time to do this. I've been wanting to speak to you for a long time because you're definitely doing something that stands out uh, in this scene. And uh, and just keep 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 doing your thing, you know. And uh, definitely, it's been a pleasure to meet you. And hopefully, I get to see you rock out uh, live one of these days. And uh, when is that uh, that new song coming out? Uh, I'm not really saying anything until my EP. Gotcha. Do you know when that's going to come out? Um, well, I'm signing with this label soon, so I guess they will know. All right. Well, everyone, keep a lookout for the new Cinnamon Babe. All right. Just keep follow, follow me on Instagram and y'all find out. Y'all will see. I'll... <laughs> That's right. Don't follow the bouncy one. Follow the... <laughs> no, nah, follow, follow all both. the stuff. Hey, follow yeah. both. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> support support this young lady. She's out here. She's, she's, she's doing the damn thing. Uh, but she's anyway, take... Into some rock music. Do both. Why not? <laughs> well, I really appreciate it. You take care of yourself and I'll see you soon. Thanks, boo. Bye. Take care.
just heard loose by cinnamon babe i really like that song that, that, that song's good the production's great hooky that producer she's working with keep working with that dude or gal i don't know who the producer is but they're they're doing a great job uh yeah so that was that was a fucking conversation huh <laughs> i had to so every now and again i won't listen to an episode back because maybe i did it recently or, but usually I try and listen to them, uh, which it's time consuming, you know, that was we're about two and a half hours in. So that, that conversation was a little over two hours and, and yeah, I just had a lot of feelings li- listening back to it because, you know, uh, I don't probably speak to as many women on the show as I should. Um, definitely not enough women of color, you know, I fucking, I hate that phrase of color. It's basically saying colored people, <laughs> different order we need we need some new words um anyway yeah i i don't enough and uh and i think given stormy's kind of unique background and uh you know just just what she's been through the field she's she's delved into you know it's trying to do the right thing and 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 be as respectful and and just you know I think sometimes, you know, our, our, our biases are on display and, and, you know, and, and I, I just want to do a good job as an interviewer. Um, but I can imagine, at, or let me, let me rephrase this. My role often as the interviewer and it being my show is to kind of be the avatar for the, for the audience and, and, you know, give them the show they want to 
hear and entertain and all, all that stuff. Um, and so I, I, I wonder, you know, how, how people are going to feel, but I think that's a good thing, you know, to, to bring kind of controversial ideas to some, to some people it's not controversial, but I, I think my biggest takeaway, you know, and I, I spoke about it within the, the conversation was about these generational differences between how we approach issues of race and identity. Um, and you know, her approach and, and probably by, by virtue Gen Z as compared to millennials or, you know, I'm an elder millennial, uh, (laughs) you know, is a lot more, you know, fuck you. We don't care. We're saying, we're saying what we got to say. We're, we're kind of speaking our truth and fighting their fight, you know, how they, how they deem it necessary. And it's, um, it's confrontational, you know? And so, I hope it, you know, sparks a conversation and, you know, I, you know, I like to talk to everybody as much as possible. You know, I'm not gonna, not gonna have anyone on here. It's too, too buck wild, but you know, like I want, I want to bring Phil Abonte back on, kind of do a, a catch up pod. You know, I mean, uh, I kind of want to say, I want to see if Stevic from Tofa Ninja wants to come back and on, talk about some, some issues in the kind of more social political realms as well. I love having these conversations. I think my takeaway is through the lens of social media and maybe generational divisions, racial divisions, where I just feel the, the, those divisions, the black white thing is, it's a lot more palpable. Um, and I, and I feel we are further away than we were when I grew up. That's kind of fucked up. And it's kind of, it's kind of weird. I, f- I almost feel like a lot of things are like that. And I think progress works that way. Right. Um, it's often, it's one step forward, two steps back. So you have this with, um, slavery gets, uh, abolished emancipation proclamation. And then all of a sudden you know, there's a lot of regression, you know, 13th Amendment, Jim Crow, uh, a lot of stuff that undoes progress. And I think we're in another one of those phases where, uh, yeah, we're, we're just a lot further away and things that I thought were like settled or we'd move past have come back to the fore. Uh, and so listen, a lot of that is disconcerting, but you don't, you don't stop uh, fighting the good fight, whatever that means to wh- whoever, whatever you think that good fight is. And we all, we all have our little piece to kind of do. And I got, I got my own little piece of the galaxy right here in this show. Uh, and, you know, it's really important, you know, to say my piece, but also you got to fucking listen to people. Um, and that's, I, I, I appreciate having, some form to do that you know it's not the biggest show in the world but people listen and i think it's cool and we gotta man in this this scene we 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 gotta have these conversations we gotta talk to each other not at or past each other i think so i hope you guys enjoyed it um stormy again thank you for taking your time to be on the show david uh pr thank you for setting it up Uh, it was a lot of kind of jumping around to make it happen but it's cool man it's cool to have 
some some new stars out there that are making noise um and uh it, it makes this whole environment more more vibrant so all right still raining here i'm going to get something to eat and take a shower sorry i had to burp love you guys keep rocking and the mamba boy oh he out Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.